starring ECW legends Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Now, let's welcome your host, Mike Freeman. Uh, this is Front Row Material Live. Happy Tuesday evening to you. Hope you all are doing well in your neck of the woods. we got a big show for you tonight, uh, including a great, great guest here. Lufisto is going to be joining us. Cannot wait to get into her career and talk about all things uh, wrestling. But uh, first, let me see. How you doing, Rit? How are you, buddy? Well, I- I'm going to call you out right from the beginning. Doing a lot better than Megs is doing right now. Yeah, that guy. Wow, that was, I have never been flipped off four times through the, the front window of the house. Four times I got the old, the bird. She, uh, we'll get into it later. But once again, kids, remember in any relationship, it's 50-50, right? It's 50-50. The guy does 50, she does 50. Unfortunately, her 50 somehow becomes part of my 50. We'll get into that a little later on. But anyway, I digress. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, you know, I'm ready for uh, ready for action-packed and exciting night tonight. You you better calm yourself down. <laughs> I'm hey. ready to get wild and crazy. Are you all right there, Rit? Have you uh, you been kicking on Grandpa's cough syrup uh, since uh, we talked about an hour ago? No, no, no. Are you I'm, sure about that? I'm perfectly fine. You seem. Uh, mellow my friend you really do hey i'm just trying to be as the great words of mikey whipwreck professional around you're here. trying to be professional that's right well you know what let's let's be as professional as we can let's bring in a real professional somebody who does something that is way more important than what we do all we do is talk about wrestling she actually does the hard heavy lifting let's bring in lefisto what is going on Hi, you guys are so funny. You sound like an old married couple. <laughs> well, I tell you what, at this stage of the game, we we pretty much are. Uh, he's the old and I'm just a couple. <laughs> wow. Wow. Unbelievable. But it is so good to see your smiling face. Uh, how is life treating you? I'm not, not too bad. It's really actually really hot in, in Quebec, which is impressive. Everybody thinks it's all cold in Canada, but now it's... It's been like, my God, like 105 degrees. If I uh, change the Celsius to Fahrenheit, it's like really, really hot. So I can't complain. I hate snow, so I actually love this. So maybe that's why I'm smiling. I, I like I like summertime and things are opening up here again. Um, the Everything with the COVID, like um, the restaurants, the shows are starting. The Canadians are in the finals. So yes, <laughs> that's like, a big thing right there. I know, like everybody's happy, like the whole Montreal, like the city of Montreal dancing in the streets and people grabbing cones to pretend they're it's the Stanley Cup and walking around <laughs> and screaming and hugging each other. And after the year and a half of, you know, being afraid to be close to someone, it's, yes. it's refreshing and it's, it's good for the soul. <laughs> no, no, I, I could not agree with you more. It's uh, this last year and a half has been, and I, and I've said this to Rit before, just in conversations, it's brought the best out of people. And it's also brought the worst out of people. And it's, it's very interesting in life to find when the chips are down, what people are truly your friends, what mm-hmm. people are, you know, there for you. And 
um, want to support you through a difficult time and, and what people are just, no, no, stay away. It, <laughs> fear, fear's crazy, but you know what? I'm, I'm glad that we've turned that corner and, uh, we are back to some level of normalcy. Yeah, it was, it was about time. <laughs> I, 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 I was getting nuts. <laughs> But uh, we love uh, Canada. I mean, we have so many listeners who are from Canada. Um, I've never gotten a chance to go to Canada yet, but um, I've had a lot of. That's not that's 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 not nice. They wouldn't let me in. What are you talking about? They won't let you. They take one look at you and tell you to turn around. You're too American. No, it's now, more that the border is not fully open right now for non-essential traveling. See, I'm non-essential. Welcome. Um, We're nice people. We say sorry all the time, and we say thank you. <laughs> Man, come on now. You, you're really going to sit there and take his side? <laughs> I'm just defending the Canadian people. That's right. Thank you so much. <laughs> so it, it's so exciting to obviously get to get to talk wrestling again because – you know, as you said before, for the last, you know, year and a half, we haven't gotten a chance to do that. Shows are opening back up again. So what is life looking like for you right now? Uh, right now, things are slowly moving back. Like I haven't wrestled since the pandemic because there's no shows here. And with right. all the borders closed, um, I, I had plans to go back to maybe Germany. I had maybe um, other places in Europe and everything fell off and I had I was going somewhere in the states as well didn't work out so really for the past year and a half it was just no wrestling at all but the thing that I did is I watched a lot of wrestling throughout the year I kind of stopped being a fan because I had no time I was focusing on my matches and on helping others and doing all kinds of other wrestling stuff but I think with with the pandemic I was able to actually sit down and, and go back to, why do I do this? What do I love about this? And I started watching, you know, a little bit of the current product. And uh, I like what ROH did with the Pure Tournament. I thought that was really refreshing and a good way to work with the fact that there was no fans. I thought it was really smart. So I got really hooked into that. But I got back into watching what, what made me love wrestling, like old stuff from... Uh, you know, all Japan and Noah and some uh, world championship wrestling, some old NWA, like really going back to the basic and really appreciating wrestling as a whole and its history. Now, would you say in, in once again, this is just, I know people are on, on both sides of the fence here. Um, I know where I stand. Are you a wrestling or you a it's sports entertainment? Where do you fall in that category? No, I'm I'm totally wrestling. Like nice. yesterday, I was watching Jack Briscoe versus Dory Funk Jr. Nice. I, I love wrestling, and I I understand. You know, the I don't even love the sports entertainment. I like to say wrestling with a little extra. Um, I like. I don't mind the characters are cool or storylines, but I like my wrestling to be. Once the bell ring, it's all business. I like it to look like it's a fight. It's a struggle. It's a competition. Yes. So, yeah, I'm definitely more of a wrestling wrestling person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you 100% here. I think there is – there's a portion of the audience who really gets into that over-the-top um, – I almost want to call it Disney type of theatrics. And then you have a, a, a portion of the audience who – like you said before, hey, it's cool to have a personality, but when we get in there, none of this, you know, 
malarkey if, if you want to call it that let's just get down to it and let's see who the better athlete is and who's going to win yeah exactly that's the that's why i love people like uh tim thatcher and walter and jonathan gresham like they go in there and it's it's business like tracy williams josh woods like most of them are real shooters and i i like to look at a wrestler uh male or female and i, I can say like they could really kick my ass. I believe what they're doing. I like that they, you know, keep that magic and that doubt that if you meet them somewhere, they can really kick your ass. <laughs> Would you also agree that we've heard this from many wrestlers that selling is so uh, underappreciated as far as the element of a match in itself. And, and people really do not put the time in to learn how to do that properly. And that's really what kind of takes people out of the element. Something big happens and then boom, they're right back up again. It, it kind of defeats the purpose of why you, your opponent did that. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. And I, I, you know, I blame myself as well for doing that once in a while I will watch my matches and I will, ah, I did not register that enough. It should have been more because everything when it comes to wrestling is about emotions. And one of my teachers years back, like told me, I don't care how many flips you do, what's going on here. That's the yeah. money. That's the money. That's why people like Terry Funk, like he was doing promo and he was almost crying and you believe them. And someone like Dusty Rhodes could talk in some crowds to get, you know, and like, it was like, because the emotion, it was real, it was genuine, it was not scripted as much as it is today. And a lot of it came from the heart. And it's the same thing with wrestling. You want them to feel your pain, you want them to feel the struggle. And if they feel it, then they'll get into the match. And and it, I always say there's, you know, there's four people in the match. There's you, your opponent, the referee, and there's the crowd. Yep. And it's really a teamwork of uh, those four key elements. And by selling, and if you do it well and you do it loud enough, I think sound is really important in wrestling. And that's one thing that usually that, that bothers me. Um, you see a lot of people wrestle and they will get the facials, but there's no sound coming out. So person in the first row might see your pain, but the one sitting in the back can't hear it and can't see it either. So you have to create sound. Um, to, so people can feel like what's going on. So definitely, yes, selling is, my God, it's 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 a big part of wrestling. Well, first things first, our uh, our good friend Mikey Whiprack actually had a comment posted up there that you were the first female wrestler that he wanted to work with in a match. Oh my God, I would love that. <laughs> I love Mikey. He's one of those. Uh, I felt when I was watching him, like he was never afraid of, maybe he wasn't inside. Cause I know when I did hardcore, sometimes I was going for a spot and I was like, what am I doing? But I would do it anyway. <laughs> but I like, I, I felt he was so brave cause um, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he's one of those guys that could not say no and yeah. did everything. Yep. And I'm, I'm also guilty of that. And looking back, I'm like, Ooh, that spot was stupid. You should have said no. I'm glad it turns out okay, but there were so many risks. And yeah, definitely it takes some courage to do all, all these, you know, spots and crazy um, you know, um, I don't want to say stunts, but it's it's almost a stunt. Like you're you go in there and you're hoping for the best, and then if it turns out good again, well, good for you. <laughs> 
So uh, you said that you didn't really get to work at all during the pandemic. But, you know, did you watch any of the product uh, at all during the pandemic? Yeah, and... I've, watched, I've watched a lot of Ring of Honor. I've watched uh, – I, I, I try to watch everything AEW, but there's so much stuff that at one point I could not follow. I've watched all the pay-per-views, though. Uh, I would watch every pay-per-view, whether it's WWE or Impact or uh, NWA, like – I once there's a pay-per-view we always watch at home that's that's like our or Sunday or, or a Saturday thing where we just sit down and we just watch all the pay-per-views I can't really keep up with every single tv shows because you have impact you have ring of honor you got women's <laughs> ring of honor uh there's NWA power and then AEW elevation dark <laughs> like uh, I I tried for a while and then I was like I'm watching wrestling every day, nonstop. I have to do things. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, I did, but it, it kind of, I kind of stopped a little bit right now because it was taking way too much of time. There's a lot of wrestling, which is great, but I can't watch it all. <laughs> so, so what was your thoughts when you're watching all this and there was nobody in the crowd? Like, how, how would you have put a match together not being able to feed off the crowd with the interaction and everything? I, I would have turned it into really a competition where it's just me and my, my opponents. Uh, to the opposite of what I was saying before, uh, when you work in front of a crowd, you include them. But that's one thing that I saw on some matches. People were working the crowd and there's no crowd. And that's where you need to switch up things and adapt where it needs to become more of a competition where you focus on what's going on with the referee and you look more at your um, your opponent than the actual crowd. Because usually you'll do a shot, you'll look at the crowd and you'll be, if you're a baby face, you'll be happy and um, look for approval. But now if if there's no crowd, so you can't go, <laughs> and it, it looks, I thought it looked a little bit weird. And um, so, yeah, you focus on the opponent and the hold and instead of, uh, looking at the crowd because there's none. You look at your opponent. You look at the hold you're 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 doing. You look at the referee. You talk to the referee. So you use your immediate environment to create magic. And when you sell, since you can't, there's no crowd. You do it to the camera so at least people who are watching can feel what what's happening too, but through the camera. Growing up in Canada, I'm I'm sure that you're kind of. Uh... You're, you're pro Canadian wrestlers, and is was there anybody from your home country that you really gravitated towards? I mean, because a lot of great stars have come out of Canada. Anybody in particular that you you looked at and said, "Man, I really respect what they do, and I would love to maybe at some point work some of what they do into what I do." My favorite was Owen Art. I loved Owen. I thought he could do anything. Uh, he's definitely one of the transcendent ones that comes to eye flying, but he was also really smart in the eye flying he was doing. It was not like spot, spot, spots. Everything was placed in a, you know, in a spots of the match where it made sense. He was good at selling. He was good at being a, like a mean heel. Like he, he would get people to hate him. <laughs> like, um, and like his technique was flawless. Um, I didn't see it that way when I was younger, but I just loved them. And now, you know, growing up and watching the matches again, now I see the little details uh, he would do, like between the moves, the way he would look at the crowd, the way he would look at his opponent, the way he would connect with the referee. 
And yeah, I just think he, he was just amazing. Would you say there's definitely a, a contrast between in, and I mean this in the, in the best way, the old school and the modern day, do you think that there are things that got lost or that just didn't get picked up by the newer generation? Things like you talked about before, things that Owen would do, things that um, the, the prior generation who started out in the, the 80s and the 90s mm-hmm. do that you don't see post-2000. Um, the, the, you know when we say less is more? Definitely. Sometimes it's better to do a little bit less of your spots and milk them, sell them. Um, I, I feel a lot of things are done too quickly. Like sometimes they will do chain wrestling and I'm guilty of that too. When, especially when I started, my teacher keep te- he kept telling me, slow down, I can't see anything. But, you know, chain, chain wrestling, for example, is beautiful when you actually see, you know, what they did to get underneath that arm and what they did to reverse the hole. Or, and if it's too quick, it's like, they go from a headlock to a hammer lock and then go down, but it's so quick you you don't see the beauty of it. Right. So that that's something, and some of some of the new people will do it, and but in general, that's really one thing. Um, too quick, um, too much. Sometimes just just remove a few things, and make it count. You'd mentioned that your teacher trainer, um, you know, would give you some tips and whatnot. So let's kind of, let's go back and let's go back to the nineties, the late nineties. So how, how did it all get started? How did you decide, you know, at that point in your life, you were like, okay, this is one direction I could go in. This is a direction wrestling. I was actually playing in a band and my drummer says like, you need to see this guy. He's burying people. He's building casket talking about the undertaker. And he was in his feud with Yokozuna. So we're talking 94 mm-hmm. and I got hooked immediately. I was like, he, I thought he was so impressive, interesting. I liked the character, but I also like, like every single little details he was doing and through in the same period of time, um, there was the feud with Alondra Blaze and um Bolacano. Yep. Bolacano. And I was like, wow, these girls can go. And I really fell in love, I think, with wrestling there. And through them, uh, one of my friends was uh, it's back in the days of tape trading. <laughs> he was ordering tapes from Japan and wherever and I don't know uh, who was selling tapes in the States. But he was like, we were watching Japanese wrestling. It's like, and you like Bulnakano and you like Medusa. Well, not Medusa, but Alondra Blaze back then. So he's like, look at that. And I, I saw this girl named Akira Okudo. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to do this. It was so different from what I thought of what women's wrestling was. Like, I've seen women's wrestling before and a lot of hair pulling, a lot of um scratching and and it was not everybody but in my head that that was women's wrestling but when i saw alondra bull and then the likes of akira kudo i'm like this is so much more this can be so much bigger the women can fight the women can be dangerous and actually i thought they were better than the guys when i was watching japanese women wrestling and that's exactly where I was like, this, I want to do this. I really want to do this. Well, your career started out, uh, you know, a little bit rough. I, uh, I was telling Freeland about earlier today uh, where you actually 
was booked in a main event against a man that, you know, was it's 2002 and it was, you know, not allowed. Way ahead of your time, way ahead of your time with yeah. that when it comes to the whole intergender thing. I mean, wow. I and- was I was wrestling guys like um I, I didn't I think at the end of ninety-seven, like I, I did a mixed tag, but then ninety-eight I was already wrestling one-on-one guys, and by the I think the summer of ninety-eight, I don't remember the exact date, but I already had my first male championship. So I was a cruiserweight champion, and by ninety-nine I had like another one, the provincial championship. So I started, there was like no other girls than me. Like they would come and go and there was only one or two in my area. So I just got like, if I want to wrestle, I need to wrestle the guys. And it got me so much trouble because people thought like, oh, look at her. She wants, you know, she thinks she's better than us. And the guys didn't want to wrestle the girls, but I kept on pushing and because people wanted me to be a manager and i'm like no i train with the guys and i want to do this and i'm a wrestler always having like a kiro kudo <laughs> in my head and i'm like i can do this and yeah i started to go to ontario and i was doing like i was already i started doing hardcore in 99 so by then i ended up in a promotion called the hardcore wrestling federation and another promoter got in touch with them to book uh it was a table death match it was a main event. It was a tag team. I was the only girl in the match. And there was a complaint uh, sent to the Athletic uh, Commission of Ontario. And uh, they literally called the promoter. And if, if this girl is, is wrestling, we're, you know, revoking your license and you're going to wow. have a fee to pay. And um, so from that moment, all the promoters, especially in Ontario, was like, we can't book you. And it was such an old law, like some of them were not even aware of it, but it was there. And I didn't even know myself until that happened. And um, yeah, from that moment, I'm like, this is so wrong. They're telling me I can't do something because of my gender. So I called the human rights and I filed the complaint and we went to court. It took like three years and a half of papers, phone call, lots of money. <laughs> and yeah, not only did the law was removed, but I took the whole athletic commission down. There's no more athletic commission when it comes to wrestling uh, in Ontario. That in itself should get way more, way more acknowledgement in press and the accolades that it so richly deserves because of what you did for the business. I mean, that's a huge thing. Not only did you just say, okay, I get it. But then you said, okay, I get it. Well, guess what? I'm coming after you now. And I think that takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts and it shows the type of person you are. So I really respect the fact that you went through all that. Thank you. And yeah, I was like 22 years old, but I was like, I've always fought for, you know, um, not for myself, but I wanted women's wrestling to be recognized and I wanted us to be seen as equal and, you know, to choose whoever we fight. Um, People were like, um, you know how people say like, oh, intergender is domestic violence. Uh, No, domestic violence, you do not choose that to happen. Correct. Wrestling, it's your choice as a woman, as a human being to go in there. You are aware what you're doing. Um, you are trained to do it. And so, I mean, it's, it's your choice to wrestle whoever you want. Um, so yeah, I've always been a big 
when, when there's some injustice, like I get really, really upset <laughs> in anything. And I'm like, oh, I gotta do something. Sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> And I hate myself sometimes like, why did you get involved into this? But if I feel something is wrong, then it gets me. So, and I have to do something about it. So uh, go ahead, Freeland. No, no, you're fine. Okay. So uh, what got you to come to the United States from Canada? Like, you know, how'd you get the contacts? Uh, who contacted who first? The first matches I had were uh, in Vermont. It's actually a promotion from, um, it was uh, ETWA. They're still going there in Vermont. And they called me and they had me wrestle one of their top guys. That was like one, the first time um, I went to the United States. And then after I ended up working for Tony Atlas in EWA in Maine. Um, it was the Eastern Wrestling Alliance. And I started as a valet because they were like, well, we're not sure women and men, so we got to start slowly. <laughs> so I was a valet. And then one day I turn on my um, my wrestler, Steve Ramsey was his name. And then I was just a heel and kicking butt. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's how it started, really. But the big, I would say, breakout is um, I was wrestling in a tag team with the Sexy Eddie in Montreal for IWS. And CZW, you know, heard about us. It's like, oh, there's a girl that does hardcore, bring her in. <laughs> and I ended up at CZW. And my God, I think the following show, like I did a match and John Zandig looked at me and he went like, hmm, okay, there's something there. And <laughs> I think, uh, the following show or the other one because i had an introduction i had a match and then i think the third show uh ended up in um all-out wars where i um i beat kevin steen i pinned kevin steen i should say because it was like a elimination with all kinds of people and i ended up the ccw iron man champion and from there like it, it, everything went crazy let me ask you this i mean obviously from your your battles to make women equal uh, in Canada. And then obviously that kind of permeated out through the different promoters and whatnot. What were some of the things that you heard about during that time when you were fighting to be able to have females compete with males? Um, was there anything you heard from other wrestlers, maybe in the locker rooms or people reaching out to you saying, thank you for what you did or anything such as that? Uh, not really. At the beginning, it was more like, oh, she's trouble. Look at what she's doing. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I, I really, I think people, a lot of people did not get what I was trying to do. And it was more of, it was kind of negative at the first time because, oh, look at her. Like she, she doesn't get what she wants. So she's uh, going against the government and, um, you know, I, I would go to the promoters also when they didn't want me to wrestle and I would like, have discussions where why do you want don't want me to wrestle it's like well you're a girl and guys don't want to wrestle girls and sometimes i ended up working with guys that didn't want to work with me so they would punch me as hard as they could and pull my hair and stretch me and break my nose and so at the beginning it was like really yeah it was pretty much negative but then when the commission fell and everybody was like okay the whole thing fell we don't have to pay a license anymore because the fees were ridiculous wrestlers had to pay for for licenses every year 
Wow. Uh, we didn't get anything from it. There was no one at the shows. Sometimes you pay for a commission, but a doctor is going to be there or there's going to be things, you know, some insurance that if something happens to the promotion, there's a, some sort of protection. Right. There was nothing. It was just like pay, pay, pay for you to do a show. And so with the years, uh, I remember when the commission fell, I think Allie, Cherry Bomb, emailed me and, and, and thanked me for doing that because now they could wrestle against whoever they wanted in in um, in Ontario. And more recently, um, C4 Wrestling, which is a promotion I wrestle for in, in Ottawa, uh, I was talking to the promoter and he's like, you should realize that a lot of things that are happening today is because of you because we could not afford all the bureaucracy and the fees and everything and there's a lot of people wrestling today and there's a lot of promotions that are alive because you went to battle for for the wrestlers and the female wrestlers so thank you so yeah he told me that so that was that was pretty cool it's always cool when it happens and jody threat also uh when we wrestled she hugged me and she said something like along the lines of if, if, if I'm here and the girls are wrestling is because of you. So once in, I think with time, when people learn the story, cause I feel a lot of people don't even know about it. So when they learn what happened and what needed to be done, there's, there's a few of them are, they're going to come to me and, and, and say, thank you. Well, I can guarantee you uh Sammy Callahan versus Tessa Blanchard would have never happened um, because there's so many things that, when you look at at the world of wrestling that you may not even know the stories of why we got to where we are today mm-hmm. you know some people think oh well well this company is is a revolutionary in wrestling but in reality they're not they're basically just taking a concept they're taking the idea off of what someone else did and putting their own twist on it and yeah. i feel like that's it's it's very disparaging to do that to the people who actually were the trailblazers um yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say it is because I'll, so many times I've read, this is the first time a woman wins a world title. This is the first time this is happening in intergender. This is, and I'm like, I did that in 98. I did that in 2001. I did that in 99. I did that in 2000. And, and um, it's, it's, on, it's sad to say, but no TV, no history. Because people don't take the time because if you google you'll you'll find some stuff from the past but i just feel if they 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 don't research much or they don't talk to other people who would know i feel their research are very limited (laughs) when there's such a rich history of of you know when you talk about intergender you should talk about andy kaufman you should talk about mildred burke you should talk about so many like miss jackie um there's so many women or even china sometimes i don't even hear her name and i'm like china she, she was on the biggest stage and you do not mention her i know i feel i feel they i don't know if they purposely forget the history or they're like they're they're kind of acting i i don't know i feel everybody wants to say they're the first at doing something but you know they yeah every all the the women and the men who fought tooth and nail and um before they should get acknowledged uh to know where you're going you got to know where you came from so and I, I think that's something that people forget unfortunately yeah very well said with that um Rit and i had talked about this and i've talked about this to 
to Jerry and God, there's so many different conversations that spawn from other things that have happened. But when you talk about, you know, women in wrestling, um, one in particular company, which will remain nameless, uh, it takes credit for everything, um, including sliced bread. But <laughs> the other companies, like you said before, were doing really good women's wrestling. Gail Kim um, is incredible what she was doing. TNA, um, mm -hmm. when it was referred to as that, you know, when they were doing the knockouts, uh, yeah, it had that title, but ODB was doing her thing as well. And you had so many women, Angelina Love and uh, Velvet Sky, they were doing these things. And it's like, you like you said before, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Or if someone didn't see it, it never mm -hmm. happened. And I feel like that's sad that you're picking and choosing the way you want to remember history when the reality is a, a simple Google search will tell you otherwise. Yeah, Google or uh, books or when you're not sure there's there's still veterans out there that do know the stories that were there that I saw everything happening I, I don't know how hard it is to send an email to someone like um, my god like jazz or something you know like someone who's been there who knows or um, the likes of Medusa Mickey James Gail Kim they're all out there they know the history. They've been. They've been there. They've seen it. They've. They've. They've seen the struggles, and you talk about the now cows. There's also Shimmer. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one of the, if not the first, um, company who took women seriously as athletes. Um, the storylines were not about, oh, I'm a beautiful girl, and there's the nerdy girl, and the popular girl wants to, you know, uh, beat her up. It was. A competition it was athletes like women athletes and um i i can't remember what what their motto was but honor skills and um something else like i i forget right now but um and some other promotions then after that um you know followed the same kind of road like i'm thinking about femme fatale here in, in canada uh, there's shine um there's in england serena knight has been doing same thing with bellatrix uh, all the girls in, in Australia and, of course, Japanese and uh, Mexico, um, mm -hmm. they, they've had such they have such a great history when it comes to women's wrestling. But I feel sometimes when it's not on TV, um, people um, either don't know about it or don't want to hear about it. Or if it happened in another country than the United States, it didn't happen. Um, I remember people were like emailing me. It's like, oh, um, this thing happened. Uh, did it happen before? I'm like, yeah, did it? Yeah, but it did not happen in the United States, right? So I'm like, yeah, I did that also. Oh, okay. I'm like, wherever it happened, somebody did something, just acknowledge it and yes. just embrace it. And if somebody else does the same, then embrace it as well and, and you know, uh, my god like praise whoever is doing something to make this sports better and and this everything better for the women and uh, even for the guys too like um back in the day it was more about are you tough enough to be in wrestling and we would get beat up and they would see if we were strong enough mentally now everything has changed where there's great school everywhere and you have a lot of veterans around that are ready to help and back then, my God, I wish I had somebody to guide me this way. I mean, it, it changed. Some of the things changed for the not so good, but some things like that really changed for the better for the younger generation.
Well, a, a lot of women, you know, you see them, everybody's like, that's just a pretty face. You were a little bit different. You know, you, you wanted to embrace the hardcore style along with the pretty face. Now, what got you into the hardcore style? The hardcore has just happened. I was wrestling um, in in Montreal and in an intergender match, and I was wrestling one of the top heels here. And he was known to, you know, use chairs and use all kinds of stuff like that. So I was I was fighting him, and just we just ended up in the crowd, and chairs went flying, and cookie sheets and tables, and people went nuts. There was almost a riot. It was it was so crazy, and it was like, wow, this is amazing. Like the reaction and everything. And um, one thing that really got me into hardcore is once I did it first and they were like, oh, why do you do this? That's not for girls. You're going to scratch your head and blah, blah. I was like, shut up. I was like, every time someone told me I can do something because I'm a woman, it pissed me off. And I wanted to do more and more. So the next match, oh, let's add some... Uh, barbed wire and the other one let's have thumbtacks and then oh let's go to the lights and then we'll end up in the cage of death who, who knows in tournaments and king of the death match and queen of the death match and it, it was really more about always doing more and proving people wrong which when you think about it it's like eh, is it a good reason to do things probably not but I felt it was so necessary back then because people didn't take women's wrestling seriously. We were attractions. We were a little bonus on the card or unfortunately like the pee break or whatever you want to call it. And it, it just became a mission for me to prove people wrong. And, and it's like, no, you don't miss my match because you're going to miss something good. And yeah, it was a little bit of a obsessive. <laughs> Well, speaking of, you brought it up, Deathmatch. 2007, Queen of the Deathmatch, IWA Mid-South. You know, I was out there uh, 2011 when uh, Rebecca Payne beat Mickey Knuckles, the person that you beat in the finals. Mm -hmm. Like, that was a great promotion out there, you know, and ran a good show. Mickey Knuckles is, you know, phenomenally nice person in the locker room. Tough. Uh, She's uh, tough. Oh, how, how did you, uh, you know, in the locker room, how that all come about? And then actually, you know, the, how the night went on. It's funny that you mentioned that because I spoke to Mickey uh, yesterday and she was just asking me how I was doing and that she missed me. And I miss her, too, because she's really my hardcore sister from another mister. We just headed off right away. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> my hardcore sister from another mister and the thing is i was doing hardcore i had been for a while and i was doing it pretty much by myself on you know my side of the country and mickey was started to do her thing and it's like we were very much alike but apart and then when we got together it was like really finding that relative that you were looking for and didn't know where she was and that's really what what happened the match you see at queen of the Dead match 97 is our first match together it was instant chemistry um it's like we just went out there and and, and we we fought like it it was just natural everything came easily and yeah, literally, literally a, my hardcore sister. So let me ask you this. When, when I say the word death match, 
Um, what are things that come to mind when when someone says, Lufisto, I'm going to book you. Uh, we're going to do a death match. What is the, the first thing that comes through your mind? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't done a death match since 2007, actually. I've been pretty much a lot more involved in anything that has to do with pure wrestling. Right. I will do, you know, once in a while, those um, no holds bar with tables and chairs and whatnot, but nothing with, you know, nothing like I did before. <laughs> and I think I did everything I had to do. Sometimes I get the itch was like, oh, another one would be cool. But I feel if something like that would happen, it would need to be part of a long storyline where the match actually means something. Right. I feel nowadays, um, I don't know if I can say that <laughs> probably, but everybody's blowing their loads way too quick. Yeah, no, you're right. There's no there's no long storyline that explains why you hate this person so much that you want to make him or her bleed. It's like right away into a big match, and then after it, it's like everything's backward. And so, yeah, if I would do another one, it would have to mean something and 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 be part of a storyline where once we get there, it's because there's nothing else we can do. We have to end this in the most violent way. Um, and But for death matches, I mean, I've been there. I know what they're like. It, they bring you a thrill and it's, it's, it's really something unique. Like you deal with pain and you gotta push through. It's really a way to, to push your own limits. And a lot of people I'm sure do it for that reason. I know I was. Um, so, um, when I hear death match also, you, I hear, um, you know, be careful because the spots you're doing now are going to come back to haunt you in about 10 years. Right. Uh, there's a lot of things, you know, falling on, on weapons, on weird angle ladders or whatever, you might feel fine, you know, the next day or so, but you know, it adds up. And with the years, your body suffers from it. So you just have to be aware of it. What you do now, you'll feel it in, in a couple of years. It's so funny that you talk about long-term storylines and, and long-term storytelling and, and how that is, is kind of overlooked nowadays. Is there any storylines that you can name off the top of your head that you felt like, wow, that was a really well-done um, that was, it wasn't too fast. It wasn't too slow. They did it. They paced it right. And the payoff was great. Um, that's a very good question. For some reason, what comes to mind is, um, cause we talked about it a little bit earlier, the Bret Hart versus Owen Hart feud. Yes. Started slowly. They were both wrestling on each side and they came together and did some tag teams. And then there was that survivor series where Owen was tired of being in the shadow and he kicked Bret Hart's leg. And then there's the win at WrestleMania 10, but then Bret wins the championship. So Owen's even comes out at the that. end. Yes. And then, you know, it was such a slow buildup. And then they, I think at one point they ended up in a cage and all this at the end to come back together and, you know, reform the Hart foundation. It's, it's, it's over years, but you know, you, we were invested in, in, in the story. What would you say is different now as far as why promotions might not be 
as invested with long-term storylines. Do you, do you feel like it's the instant gratification uh, social media world we live in today where God hit them now, got to get them something now. It's about the, what did this quarter hour rating is and what is this? Therefore, if we do do some long-term storytelling, they might not hang around long enough to really invest themselves into something that is going to have a greater payoff. It's it's definitely one of the reasons you want right now. You want ratings. You want uh, what's important are the numbers. But the thing is, you might have a good rating this week, but if your show is not too good, then it's going to go down. But if you invest people and they want to watch like a soap opera, they want to yeah. watch every week, then it's going to go up. It's remember when I talk about the my my drummer talking about the Undertaker. He was so invested that he got me to look, and then that was one more person that was watching the show. And then I talked about it to other people, and then fans, you know, the, the fans would build up like because of people like me and the drummer, my drummer, talking about something. We oh my god, you got to watch this, you got to watch this. Now it's like boom, 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 everything. And then the following week, um, there's no continuity. Somebody who was healed last week now is baby face or you don't know. Um, it's really hard to follow. And so that's definitely one of the reasons. And I feel right now, everybody wants to say, I'm the first who did that. Yeah. Oh, you saw it first here. And because of that, everything is too too much too soon like for and that goes for talent that goes for storyline that goes for you know big matches like everybody wants to be like oh we pushed that person first oh we did this first we and i feel because everybody's kind of greedy of saying we did it they everything is too rushed like um yeah it definitely um I think that's one of the main reasons. Do you like the idea of the different promotions working together? I mean, I know originally it was this promotion doesn't talk about this promotion and this mm -hmm. promotion doesn't acknowledge that this one exists. But now with Tony Khan, um, and, and it just didn't start with Tony Khan. I mean, there were other promotions that worked together in the past, but I'm using this for a, a contentual reference here. Do you think it's a good idea um, for promotions to work with each other? Or do you think at the end of the day, a promotion needs to completely just focus on their own, uh, take care of in-house stuff, and then go from there? I say yes and no. Yes, for the simple fact that sometimes you'll get that match, you know, for the fans that they would like to see that you can't see otherwise, like right. a dream match. Um, but um one thing that i do question right now is and it's might be me being really old school but one thing i was thought is like know your value if i go to a show and you're there and i pay 20 bucks to get in and then i see you on another show that i have to pay five bucks to get in right then i might go to the other one yep. and i see you often so your value goes down. I don't know if it makes sense the way I'm, I'm explaining it, but right now I see the same talent on one, two, three different um, TV shows. So I, if, if I watch this person on this one, why would I watch the other one? Right. So 
you know, it's it's really, and that's where I think in the long run, it's going to hurt people because um, I'm just going to say a name like that. Let's say I want to see Bailey. I have to watch WWE. I have to because that's the only place she's at. But right now I see some girls wrestling. Um, I saw girls doing Ring of Honor and then Dark and then other things. And, and you're like, they're everywhere. And that's for guys too. I say girls because I'm, I'm, I think I'm more aware of what's going on with the women's divisions, but they're everywhere. You, there's no rarity. Like it's, I feel they do not protect themselves. And, and, and on the other hand, I'm like, well, it's work, go for it, you know, get your exposure, get your money. But you're like, but in the end, in the long run, I don't know if it's a good thing. I remember in the 80s, they would say they only put Hulk Hogan on certain shows around the country and mm -hmm. he would main event the pay-per-views. So you would get that tease on TV. You yep. might see him once a month, but you had that was the show you had to watch because that led up to what the pay-per-view was going to be. And my God, you want to see him, you got to buy the pay-per-view. So from a business model, and like you said before, from a I don't want to say not wearing out your welcome or becoming so accessible that it doesn't mm -hmm. make it unique anymore. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I get that completely. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. That's, and I don't know, but how can you tell someone, well, you know, <laughs> don't go there. And it, it's really something you have to think about and, and make a decision for yourself and make sure that, wherever you go is where you're going to be presented uh, the best. And that's where you're going to grow as a wrestler and where you're going to learn and that you'll be surrounded with people who can make you better. Um, Cause wrestling people who are better than you will make you a better wrestler. That's the best way to learn. So it, it's a tricky question. Some good, some bad. I was, uh, I was thinking about this when it comes to women's wrestling, when you were mentioning it earlier, and there's a promotion that I, really enjoy watching and that's mission pro wrestling and they're out of texas and it's a female you know promotion and i think i think women's wrestling is definitely something that should be on par with the guys i just feel like there's certain promotions that that take women's wrestling back a few steps if you know what i mean um instead of just letting these women be talented and athletic and put on great matches they I guess they feel like in some ways they need to enhance that or they need to do something else with that person mm -hmm. instead of just letting them be themselves. Are you of the belief a persona is okay, but don't go too terribly far with it. Don't venture too far away from the person that they really are. Because at that point, then it's almost like having that wrestler live a lie that they don't feel it there. It's not unique. So therefore they're not going to be able to sell it as well. Oh, definitely. The closer you are to reality, the better you'll get people to connect with you. And I can say that because I did that mistake. For years, I was a super hardcore anime. I was not even watching animes. I love the fact that they were cute and violent at the same time. So that was the main purpose of the gimmick. But it was so far away from who, who I am. And I really feel in the end, uh, it... it it stopped me from going more places and maybe higher on cars because people thought I was, 
you know, a funny character and I could not be taken fully seriously. And the gimmick was fun, but I feel it, it was, yeah, too cartoony. And there's there's nothing more... Um, people wonder, like, why the Attitude Era was such a big thing. Because people could relate. They could relate to Stone Cold Steve Austin. They could relate to DX somehow. They could... It was real characters and it, it, it everything came from the heart like i said not not like fully scripted um so and and yeah for the women i think women wrestlers are are, are unique in a way where uh, they all have a different story and the story to me is the money why are you a professional what's your background what's why are you here and just there, there is a character because there's a real person. That's one thing that I love that Ring of Honor is doing with the men's division. They have those sit-down interviews where I'm a professional wrestler and I train there and I do this because, and it's all real stories. And that's what I feel is missing in women's wrestling. And one thing about Mission Pro, it is ran by a woman wrestler. Yes, I think the, you know, it's things are going to be awesome once a woman is in charge. And right now it's happening. Mickey James is doing it with NWA. And I, I really feel and just the way she talks, her passion, like you can feel it. She wants things to change. She wants things to be better. She wants the women to be taken seriously. So through her, I see so much hope i think she's the one who's going to do it right well lufisto it's that time where freeland hates when i ask this question why what what hey, hey <laughs> all right freeland, I'm, I'm just gonna st- i'll just sit here this is the number one rated segment we have oh really <laughs> oh my god if huh? you believe that then you believe i'm 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 dealing with anorexia <laughs> Okay, here we go. Hot tub time machine. You can go back in the time to any match you want. You take someone out and insert yourself in the match. What would it be? Oh and my. and I've been told maybe I should when I when I book you guys, I should sit there and add that in there so you have plenty of time to think of. Sean Waltman said he couldn't answer the question. So we are hoping that an intelligent, attractive woman like yourself is able to answer this question. Freeland, Ari, Ari got her book. You don't need to sit there and uh, butter her up. Well, I want her to come back for rounds two and three. I'm, I'm digging this right here. <laughs> oh, God, that's a good question. Um, mm, I, I, oh, God. I would add myself to the Bonacano and Medusa <laughs> to a three-way so I could wrestle them both. Um, Lord, which match is like such a good – I'd love to wrestle McFoley. So let's remove The Undertaker from Hell in the Cell, and I'm going to go in oh, there. With this. <laughs> this girl, first of all, is the toughest woman I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Second of all, she, she's willing to go into hell in a cell. 90s. Oh, my God. Wow. I would not get in the ring with you. I'd just hand you my wallet. I'd say, here, I can't do it. 
Wow. And don't worry, if he hands you the wall, there's nothing in it. Wow. Are you trying to call me cheap again? I can't. Um, I, w- I do want to ask you this question, and I and I promise I'll make this brief. Uh, FMW. It sounds like you have uh, you've been a connoisseur of the FMW as well. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was watching the exploding rings and the piranhas around the ring. Yeah, I saw those. <laughs> They're taking a boat to the ring. I remember that the match. I was like, "Why are you? Ta- oh my! Oh this my, has just oh gotten my, serious." Yeah. Wow. There, there is so many more things that we obviously could talk about. Is there any chance we could twist your arm and bring you back again to do a part two? I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. She, she, Where she can She's definitely I'm, hardcore to put up with this punishment. Th- hey, hey <laughs> I, I love this. This girl's tough as nails. She takes on the Canadian government. She tells people to go screw themselves. I'm going to take on the men. She, she, she smiles when she talks about barbed wire and chairs. Holy cow. Wow. Oh, my. Um, where can people find you on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz? Where can people find you? The easiest way is actually to go on my website, lufisto.com. All the Perfect. links are there. And real quick, it's going to be at Lufisto on Twitter, Wounded Al Lufisto on Instagram. I do have a Patreon and a Facebook, but definitely go on Lufisto.com. There's merchandise there, news, uh, full story. With Wikipedia is not good, so go and see my bio on my website. And I started to add all the matches I had, uh, where it happened against who, and the results and everything. I think I'm at 2009 or 12 right now. I'm not sure, but I'm going to get there. But all the matches, like... Not only because Jericho can do it, I can do it too because I wrote down everything. <laughs> nice. For free on my website. <laughs> Perfect, guys. So we're going to post that uh, link to the website. There's where you can get all of her social media information, all of her merchandise information. I have to ask you this question because obviously when you do research, you always want to double check and triple check. Do you have any relation to uh, a very well-known famous individual as well? Singer? Uh, right. Oh, Robert Goulet. Yes. <laughs> no, but one funny story. Every time I, when I, I lived in the United States for five years, and when I would say, yeah, my name is Goulet, they're like, mm, like I was like, like Robert. Oh, Robert Goulet. <laughs> they, they knew right away. Like, either that or Michelle Goulet, who was a Nordiques player, or, yeah, or Rene Goulet in wrestling. I got asked often, are you related to Rene? No, but, yeah, the Robert thing I used a lot. So people would write my name the correct way. <laughs> wow. I, I, I just saw that and I thought, wait a minute. Do you have a famous uh, uncle or something like that? So not to make it awkward. With Will Ferrell, Goulet. Goulet. Oh my God. I love it. Well, it has been a pleasure. You are a very engaging person and we would love to have you back again. And we wish you absolutely nothing but the best. And definitely let's keep uh, in touch with each other as more things open up and we can find out more about what's going on with you. All right. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. Have a great night. You too. Bye. This, yeah. That girl is cool. I, I'm telling you right now, we've had some pretty cool people on, but that woman's cool. Man, who smiles and gets excited about death matches and barbed wire and thumbtack? I mean, she you can tell certain people are literally in it to win it when you get when you see that glint in their eye, and she definitely is one of those people. Uh, I've seen, I think, two people in my life. One would be Mick Foley. 
and the other one was the Terry Funk. That the, they were all like, like man, her, she, she just she just loved every minute of it. She did, and I'm just thinking, wow, like at the end of the day, you know wrestlers have matches and whatnot but the fact that she's like a historian too she was going down the line here about this happened then this happened and then talking about long-term storyline telling and you know the types of matches she would go into and it's just like wow very very cool i um i don't know there's there, there's just certain people you meet that are so much fun so. Yeah, and, and like we were talking about uh, earlier today, when I told you about the uh, the Ontario thing, I, I didn't know it went that deep, you know. And I didn't, you know, realize she was she's tw- she was twenty two when she said, "I'm not putting up with this crap. I'm going to take on the government," and she won. And I mean, wow, very cool. There, there's and, so many things that you just don't know until you ask the question. And and one of the best things that that I like early on in the interview when Mikey popped in and was like, he, he always wanted to work her, you know? And I was like, wow, that, that's just, that was just coincidental. Very interesting. Well, awesome. Uh, woo. So everybody go ahead and get yourself a refill, get yourself a beverage. A beverage. I'm in a really in a good mood tonight. I really am. Um, I have an update. I have a story when we come back from commercial about, uh, buzz balls. Uh, and I went into a very interesting establishment and <laughs> I went in there and what was right there, right in front of me, buzz balls, lots of buzz balls. So we'll have to talk about that when we come back. But speaking of when we come back, uh, before we bring the panel in, the Rit and I have something to share with you. Don't we, Rit? Huge news. Huge this, news. This here is going to, you, you thought that are summertime what do you, what do you call it Freeland summer, our, our summertime series what, what was that our summertime you our, know our summertime series you thought you, that you, was going to be great yes over the top this is better it, top. It, this is going to be better than overbook coming back the first week of July I just hope people really want to hear me talking about a book again. I mean, I really do. And I'm excited about it. Um, So you guys will be able to tell me if you're enjoying it. So, all right. With that being said, don't go anywhere. Big breaking news before we go on to the panel. This is FRM. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. Turn on the cowboy. Yeah, on the cowboy. On the cowboy. 
It is Tuesday night, Front Row Material Live. My name is Mike Freeland. I'm joined by The Rit. We are once again sitting in for the boys. If you are just joining us, we've with a great interview with Lofista. And if you have not caught that interview, you can catch it on demand after this show goes off the air. So, with that being said, uh, a couple things I want to talk to you about before we bring the panel in. Um, the Rit and I talking before we went on the air tonight <laughs> we were kind of he was giving me grief Lefisto was giving me grief because well it's garbage night at our house and with garbage night my wife and I take turns taking stuff out and uh you know, take it to the garbage can well anyway there must have been some flies that had been in our garbage can and uh that happens during the summertime, especially when you grill out and you cook and you get that little styrofoam meat thing, you rip it open and you throw it away. Flies are going to be attracted to that stuff. Well, anyway, uh, flies generate, what do they generate, Rit? Well, little things that look like white rice. And they're called maggots. And the maggots were all over the inside of the garbage can and they were all over the top of the garbage can and my wife went out to take out the trash and she came back in horrified to know what did I do? I'm going to repeat that again. What was it that I did that somehow generated maggots? But here's what I'll tell you. Why do I get the heat for this? Why do I get the heat for this? And she said, why am I doing it? You should be doing it. You're and the I guy. Said, to, well, but that, but that brings up a big question here. Let me ask you this. Why is it because I'm a guy, I'm supposed to inherently do the dirty, filthy, nasty things? Why is that, Rick? You're going to have to explain that to me. Well, because, you know, it's the guy's job. But apparently, in your relationship... Why is it that... Hold on Megs is the Megs is the guy that has to do all the guy stuff. That's not fair. That is not fair at all. That Here's why that's not fair. 
I myself do plenty of things. Uh, she was on an educational conference last year, so she was out of town for a few nights. And I had to do the trash, and I ran into that same exact thing with the maggots last summer. It happened. So if you have been, um, I don't want to say necessarily the Midwest, but anywhere where in the summertime the maggot situation has happened, please jump in the chat and uh, throw some support to me and, and just let me know, you know what, that's not uncommon. Those things can happen as well. Uh, okay, Freeland, here. We're, we got a couple people. Bam. After this, Freeland won't even get the ABC treatment. Why? Wh why is that somehow a, a me thing? Why I didn't create uh, this. I friend, should be putting the trash out. Yes. Listen, listen here, log cabin. All right, you on vacation? You don't get to throw your two cents in here. Babyface books throw up from garlic powder, and that's where they came from. I I I legitimately thought I would have more support than this. I'm disappointed in the FRM nation. No, I can honestly say that. Yeah, uh, I can't wait until we have another conversation on the phone and Megs is there because I'm going to have to apologize by all you know for all men. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I'll leave it at that. I don't get but it. But I must uh, say, yes. That conversation there was a lot better than the one we had prior to that one. We're not even going to discuss no. what that conversation was. That's not even going to see the light of day. No. That is not. But all I can tell you is... Good Lord. It was pretty bad. We're sitting anyway. there. We're, we're popping. We everybody, are popping tonight. FRM Live is going big tonight. Everybody wants to hit, see what the announcement is. We're up to 31 people in yes, the room 31 in the people. chat. Yes, man, so, everybody, if you stop by, please hit that follow button. Hit the follow button. Let's get to 200 tonight. I believe we're at 189 or 190, whatever the hell it is. All you got to do, boop, hit it. That's all you got to do. Hit Damn. it and quit it. We don't hit that stuff around here. We smash that button. Ooh, smash that. Ooh, or like Boog says, let's pound it. Well, Freeland? Yes. Where do the people on Twitter have to go? Well, if you want to go and you want to follow us on Twitch, all you got to do, well, they're already here, but for everybody else. No, no. You what? never know. If they're on Twitter, that's why how they're watching it, Freeland. Good point. You know what? This is why I have you. Because, see, I forget all these things. So here's what you do. You go to twitch.tv forward slash FRMPod. That's what you do. Here's where you go. Or you can follow me at Mike Freeland. You can follow the show at FRM Podcast. You can follow the RIT. We always go ahead and we uh, we post where you can find us and all that good stuff. So all you got to do, please tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your friend's neighbors, call your grandma, tell her you love her, ask her to bake you some cookies. And then after you're done, tell her to hit that follow button. All right, let's get to the big event here before we bring in these clowns. Let's get going. Okay, Freeland. I'll let you do the honors to start this off. Well, this is something that the Rit and I have been working on for a while. Um, it, it seems like he and I were kind of basically on the same page with this when we were kind of coming up with this concept. And Rit said, oh, yeah, it should be this. And I said, it's golden, man. Um, it's FSN. FSN, Future Stars 
Now. And Future Stars Now is going to be a show that we are going to be debuting on this channel. And you're probably asking yourself, well, wait a minute, what's Future Stars Now? Future Stars Now is going to be all the names of the up-and-comers, everybody that's going through all the different promotions right now. We're going to be talking to them. We are going to be talking to each and every independent wrestler that's going across this country right now, paving their way to stardom. We're going to talk to them. So future stars now. You know what? There's a lot of shows that talk to the people of the past. And that's fine. We love getting the history lessons. But we also, as a brand, believe in you got to look towards the future. And we're going to look towards the future with future stars now. So we're extremely excited about that. Rit, please throw your two cents in there as well. You were a huge part of getting this ball rolling. Well, you guys are probably wondering, wait, Future Stars now? Where can I find this? This is going to be the good part. You find it right here on this channel. The start time for that will be 8 p.m. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. And we're going to run till 9 p.m. Plus our first show july 6th tuesday july 6th 8 p.m and freeland what will we be talking about on that show leading up to our first saturday fsn show well we will also be bringing you another big announcement should we give them another big announcement give them the biggest one United We Stand is going to be the next big pay-per-view that is brought to you by AAW, one of the premier promotions in the United States. They are in the Chicagoland area, and guess what? You're looking at them right... Oh, use my other hand. You're looking at them. Guess what? We're going to be the pre- and post-game show for AAW pay-per-view, starting with United We Stand. So I'm telling you right now, please, by all means, follow AAW Wrestling on Twitter, follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, and get ready because United We Stand, which is their next big pay-per-view that's coming up, we will be doing the pre-game and we're going to be doing the post-game comments live with all the fans in attendance. We're also going to be talking to people who watched it live on Fight TV, and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll have a Doc Hendricks somewhere that'll be backstage bringing some of those exact stars from the pay-per-view to the post-game show. And if you want to get tickets, I'm not sure if they're still available, but you better act now. Where are they going to get those tickets at, Freeland? Go ahead and put it on the screen, my friend. It's already there. Oh. <laughs> I'll go to aapro.ticketleap.com. Once again, if you're in the Chicago land area or if you're anywhere within driving distance, I highly recommend going to aawpro.ticketleap.com. Thank you for so much for that. Hey, hey, I appreciate it. And they, in case you guys were uh, watching AAW on Saturdays, they switched their Twitch channel. AAW Live is now Wednesday night at 9 p.m. So. So huge news right there. I mean, obviously, we're talking about the book club coming back. We're going to be doing that as well. So you'll be able to go ahead and get that. That will be an audio-only product that we'll be offering to you from the Front Row Material brand. But obviously, Future Stars Now is going to be the lead-in show to Front Row Material. That's going to be 8 o'clock Eastern Standard each and every Tuesday night. Then we'll have our traditional Front Row Material show. And then we'll have Front Row Material Dark, which will be with our panel. So we are going to be busy 
you are going to be busy, but really let's think about this. The only thing you have to do is have yourself a nice glass of iced tea or lemonade, tune in, hit that follow button, and guess what? You're set right here. We're bringing you every star right now that is coming through the world of wrestling to you. And just to let you guys know, Future Stars Now, July's booked up. August, already booked up in the bag. Hold on, let me get my book out. Where's my book at? Uh, Front Row Material is already booked all through October. Um, Right now, I'm responding to emails now. We are getting people for November and December. Um, I do feel like those two months will be booked up probably by the end of this week. So the rest of the year, each and every Tuesday night, you will have nowhere else to go but right here. Awesome interviews, great discussions, FRM dark panel with these weirdos, and then obviously the writ and yours truly. I can't wait. So, I, some of, Freeland, some of these guys I got for the Future Stars now. I'm excited. This is insane. I, I, I can't. I can't believe I, I got four of the four I, of them. I, 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 don't don't don't. Don't I, I, I say anything yet. People saying, need to tune in. Man, I can't believe I got four of them already. And you know what four I'm talking about. I know what four you got. I know how hard you've been working on this. I know literally how many phone calls and emails you have made. I know how many phone calls and emails I have made. Um, my wife literally tells me, you need to put the phone down. You need to put the phone down. But I will tell you what, for you, for the Front Row Material audience... It never stops. Delivering what you guys deserve to see is what is most important. So, yeah, and I'm the same way, Freeland. I, I take a little break at, at work. I'm there scrolling through my, my Twitter messages, scrolling through my emails, trying to respond real quick. When, when a worker sits there and you email them by their worker name and they email you back at, by their real name, and you're trying to figure out who the heck they are. <laughs> you gotta love that. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, with that being said, um, God, I'm gonna get so much grief because of the guest and where the guest was from, and how much I love our guest. I mean, our guest, Lufisto. Please, by all means, we're gonna post the website where you can go get all of her merchandise, find out where she's gonna be. Um, all the updates from Twitter to Facebook to Instagram. Um, I don't know if there's anything else out there. I'm not, I'm not that trendy, but uh, anyway, that's all I got to say. You got anything else to say before we bring these guys on? Hey, we, I'm going to have to say, we're going to have to do this in order. Mm -hmm. We started the show off with a great Canadian guest. So you have to bring in our great Canadian guest last. So you got to start and then end. We don't have a great Canadian guest. Next. Yes, we do. He's on vacation right now. He's in a log cabin somewhere laying by a crackling fireplace with his lady. Okay, Freeland. Didn't Kenny Rogers sing the song, Lady? Lady. Let me sit there and bring in our great guest. Well, let's go ahead and let's do a good intro. Oh. Are we going to – should I do it or should you do it? Here, here. I'll, I'll do, it do it first. It. No, no, no. Let me do it first. Oh, God. All right. You do it. 
Okay. Got to give a rundown before you bring him in. Here we go. Not trying to be a backseat driver. Just make sure you make it really good. I'm just going to drink my iced tea here and shut up. I'm still waiting for the shut up part. Okay. First off, we have our residential wrestler. He is the Moondog Murray. Moondog. Moondog. Hello. There we it's go. Good, it's good to see you. You were gaming the other night. You were having fun. You had a party, and you had tons of people following you, and I joined you. But since then, how are you? Uh, finally recovered from that day because I was wasted. The but did you have? Does did, did you? Did you have fun? Did you have a good time with everybody? Oh, yeah. I plan on streaming after this tonight, too. Very cool. It's good to see you, my friend. How's life treating you? Oh, I uh, might be getting some merch soon. There's that. Got some new new figures. I feel like Transformers. But, of course, this is the one y'all are interested in. Fucking Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. This thing is so fucking cool. It is I, cool. He's so detailed. These figures just get better and better every year. Don't they? It's incredible the fact that I grew up with LJNs. Yeah, I love those too. I need to get more. I only got a Savage in there in that case. Those mm-hmm. are, they, they hurt if you get thro- uh, hit by them too. Oh, indeed they do. I've heard horror stories about the Bundy figure. <laughs> Next up, we have every thick woman's dream, every mm. man's nightmare. We have the mug with five eyes unit. How's it going, gentlemen? What's going on? How are you doing there, Mr. Cook? In a world of pain. Uh, But we're not going to go into that. Uh, Not tonight, Kula. Not tonight. Like, I'm that irritable. Um... Pain-wise, I'm trying to manage it because I try not to miss FRM because uh, it's the show that I love. While not feeling the only one wearing a shirt because I just noticed Rit has his on. Anywho, <clears throat> quick rundown. Uh, tomorrow night, I will be bringing in another edition of Open Invitation for Entrepreneurs. I will be bringing in the top name in Northern Virginia in terms of baking. So anyone who's got a sweet tooth out there. If New Japan Pro Wrestling was called the king of sports, this woman would be called the king of sweets. And for those who see my recent Instagram video, creme brulee macaroons. Never ate macaroons before. These were amazing. I'll be bringing in um, from Northern Virginia, she goes by the nickname Master Chibs, and there'll be a backstory behind that. Well-known Filipino uh, baker. Um, she recently did a contest where out of thousands and thousands of entries, she was ranked top 10. So it's going to be an interesting episode. And, of course, the Mike World Order panel will be joining in afterwards on the second half of the show. <clears throat> We do have another uh, guest on next week's show, independent um, veteran wrestler from back in the day. Um, J-Rod is going to give me more additional, you know, info on that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been a busy, it's been a busy week, a very busy week, uh, a lot of 
promoting and getting the name out there. And, you know, a lot of people reached out about the uh, open invitation. If you got a business, if you're a musician, if you have a talent, if you're a wrestler, doesn't matter. If you want to get out there and get noticed, Mike Cook is paying it forward on his show. Mike World Order, Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. on Twitch. Well, I tell you what, it sounds like there's a lot going on right now with the World Order, my friend. And by the way, uh, give the web address where people can get this. <laughs> Tinyurl.com slash MWO merch. That's for the regular clothing, just like the micro order t-shirts that you see. We are doing summer customs, tank tops, booty shorts, thongs, pasties coming soon of the Mike World Order logo, since a lot of people have mentioned that they will go to war for some titties. We're going to make it <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I, I can honestly say I did not expect that. However, Rit, with something else I don't expect, what is this next person? Here we go. Hailing from everyone's nightmare. This is the man with the beats, the man with the video. He will do anything for you. We call him B-Rabbit. Anton, hide my dick. God damn it, Mike Freeland. Oh, my God. Is that a hairstyle or a work of art? I'm not quite sure. Been a bit of both. It Back is a bit of both. Like me. Back that looks fantastic. Like me. Well, Thank well Anton's kind of just doing like you, what, what you have with your hair. <laughs> why? Why do you got to do that? Anton's young. I'm maybe not as... Why, why do you have to say he's got better genetics than I do? That's well, all you have to well, say. There's no point in taking rips on me. Your hair it, is sticking up just like his. I'm just I can't, stating the I, obvious. Look, 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 I'm not trying to be trendy. I'm not trying to be anything. It's just the way my hair naturally lays. I can tell that's not how Anton's typically lays, but that's fine. He's got luscious locks that you could uh, probably just run your fingers through for hours. Mine, uh, you could finish mine before a third of a commercial break. <laughs> And last but not least, our favorite Canadian this week is still in a cottage nestled up on a bearskin rug with the missus. But we've got this guy. Here he is, Mick Freeland. Hi, everybody. What in the hell is this? It's me. What's going on? It's me. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Liam, how are you doing? No, 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 Mick. Mick. Oh, I'm sorry. Mick, Mick, how are you doing, buddy? Oh, you know, doing pretty good. Doing pretty That's good. That's what I like to hear. How you doing? I, you know what? I got no complaints. Are uh, you sure? No, I'm not sure. Let's go, ahead and let's, let, let's go ahead and let's discuss what we do. It's called Around the Horn. We go ahead and we take our panelists around the world of professional wrestling. We talk about what are some of the big news stories that are happening we get them to give their opinions. We break it down. You jump into the chat. You share with us what your thoughts are as well. And then at some point, I will determine how many points each person gets. We will determine a winner. And at that point in time, they will be crowned FRM panelist champion. That's how the game's played. You ready to play? Yeah. Hey, Ritt, are you running the truck? I run everything. You should uh, share share the screen share that I'm sharing. Ooh. Oh, well. Here's our first uh, first topic. Bam. 
champions and their women. Okay, guys. <laughs> what? what we're going to do is, bam. What is, got, what is this? What is this? What is this? We got Bobby Are Lashley you? and his two vivacious, lovely ladies. Stop it. We got Karrion Cross and his vivacious manager. Why did you have to put this? Roman Reigns and his lovely, I'm guessing, wife. And then we got, here he is. Whoa, whoa, calm down, everybody. That is Kenny Omega. With his two lovely ladies on the side, Mike and Michelle Freeland. Why? This is. I thought I saw something like this floating around, (laughs) and I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. You really were going to put that out there for everybody? Hey, hey, Jerry Lynn seen you in the locker room in the back with Kenny, and he's like, I got to get a picture of this. Mm hmm. I see how it is. I, I mean, I've got great facials right there. I mean, yeah. no jokes either about that either. <laughs> we do not We're need not, any comments at all. So, so, so not Freeland, necessary. Yes. The panel wants to know, what was it like, you know, meeting your, your idol? Well, first of all, Kenny is one of my idols. I've actually met another idol before. Um, but you didn't look like this. <laughs> I didn't look like what? You trying to tell me I don't have a body like Nick and Matt Jackson? Is that what you're trying to say? Who's Nick? Nick and Matt Jackson aren't even in that picture. It's you. Well, then if it is me, then I look fantastic, my friend. Man. And let me tell you this. Any other pictures of me, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, better not ever find the light of day. And that's all I'm going to say at this point in time. Because it looks like there have been some... uh, Nudes. Some compromise. No, 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 no. But some compromising uh, pictures that have somehow found found their way. Uh, that sounds like onto- a challenge. No, please, please don't. Like a challenge. Yeah. Have no you challenge. not realized? Don't challenge the group chat yet. Yeah. Speaking of challenges, real quick. Also, yeah. I would like to say this. I put out a challenge, and uh, an Oreo eating challenge, and I did get a response back from Tommy Dreamer. So I did get a response back, and Tommy said that he did. How many do you say he did? 40? In like 10 said, minutes? Yeah, I think it was like 40 in 10 minutes. Jesus um, Christ. I did I did 20 in 2 minutes and 32 seconds as a test. Uh, my wife came out in the living room and wanted to know what I was doing with a stopwatch, cookies, uh, a gallon of milk, uh, and I told her I was doing some training. So, <laughs> oh my, training for diabetes. Freeland. We have to get Megs the video you so we can send it over to our video person with the Rocky montage in the background. (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, I believe it was the butt who said he would buy me. And once again, I want to get away from this stigma that everybody thinks that it's just this, 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 this. I think that's that's a, a misunderstanding of who I am as a person. I just don't want people to give me stuff. I mean, if people are willing to donate, then I'm totally fine donate. with that. Um, but well, I'm yeah. not I'm not just a take, take, take guy. Uh, uh, Freeland, but if you look about, you pay everybody back with the great content, the great interviews, 
Oh, you got time it. On Tuesday. You finally with his got love. him. With my love, exactly. And that's really what it boils down to. Use your my love tonight. All I want to do is oh, I want to thank who farted Kevin, or who just who farted, I don't know how he wants to be referred to as, for the Kenny Omega action figure. Thank you so very, very much. I do want to thank uh, the little kid. What's his name? He's Baby Face. Not, baby Face, yeah. He helped me get uh, this one and this one. I do have PayPal, by the way, people. I can help you out. And then my wife obviously got me Rio. So if anybody would like to make a donation to the Mike Freeland AEW action figure series, by all means, you can hit me up with a direct message on Twitter. You can go ahead and email me at mike.freeland at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to add to the family. Freeland, which one do you want? Well, I think the next guy that I'm very much interested in is I would love to get a, a Jericho or a Moxley. So hold, hold on, let me uh, let me check my volumes. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: you don't have the ones that have that little sticker on them that says one of five hundred, do you? Oh, good fucking luck in those. Uh, hey, hey, I know someone who does. If you really like me and love me, mm. now you're just being greedy. Just being greedy. Help. Now. Oh, <laughs> look yeah. at you! Look, it's the at only you. one I own. Yeah, but hey, it's probably worth like ten thousand dollars. Hey, I told you I would trade you even up for the Moxley you want. Help me find the rare one, and I'll gladly fucking barter this one. <laughs> well, so. l- let me let me look online and see which one's more rare, and I'll buy it for you and then trade you. So yep. thank you so much, Kevin, <laughs> uh, who farted for helping me out in that process. Thank you, Boog. Uh, he's probably not seeing this because he's probably drinking his sippy cup uh, before he gets his bath time before he goes night nights. So anyway, why this hate on Boog? the fuck because boog looks like he just came out of the hooch about an hour ago i mean <laughs> i mean have you seen his his i mean he looks young as shit mm-hmm. he is young he as shit Actually, he is me. what am i saying i was gonna say you're young too the only people yeah. that are over 40 are uh uh mick uh mike cook in the rit hey no. fuck, over 40. I am. so is mikey starks there's a few people I'm the here, guy mikey starks as well no yeah. no i'm not over 40 you me and meg had this uh, discussion I'm 39, thank you. Oh, God. I'm the oldest guy here. To... You are. You are. Yeah. I'm probably Other the oldest. Judas in my than... mind. I become, I become, I become it. <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's go into the real topic. Come on, move along here. can't believe you did that. Sanjay Dutt leaves the WWE. Uh, I believe it was Fightful that went ahead and first broke the story. Also, uh, Raj Gary's Wrestling Inc. also reported on this, that Sanjay Dutt most recently went ahead, as of a few weeks ago, and gave his notice to WWE that he was, in fact, leaving as one of their producers backstage. Now, if you remember, it was Sanjay Dutt and Abyss who both left Impact Wrestling together at the same time to jump ship to WWE. Um, However, there has been news from Fightful that we should be expecting, quote-unquote, big changes happening within the landscape of backstage within WWE. Do not be surprised if more names as far as uh, agents, um, backstage assistants, production people are released in the near future. So let's go ahead and let's throw it to our panel first. Let's start off with Moondog. Um, A lot of names most recently just got released from WWE in a second wave. Does this surprise you at all that backstage people are now the ones that are going to be hit on as far as here's the door? No, because if it's going to go, if it all goes back to the whole selling the company thing, then 
you got to also look at backstage staff and how much they're being made. Kurt Angle even admitted when he got cut in uh, when he was a part of the COVID cuts, he he admitted on his podcast that he was the highest paid agent, which apparently pissed off a lot of a lot of the other agents that were doing it a lot longer than he was. <laughs> so you got to make cuts, which sucks because Jeff Jarrett always puts over Sanjay Dutt. And in interviews and how great of a producer he is. Like, he was a part of GFW when that first launched. Of course, when they went over to Impact, when GFW and Impact did that failed merge, I think so- that's when Sanjay went to Impact. And then, like you said, Sanjay and Abyss go over to WWE. So I'm curious uh, where he's going to go. I mean, I'm sure an AEW or an ROH or maybe even Impact again uh, could use him as a producer for sure. Let's go ahead and let's throw it over to uh, Mick Freeland. Uh, let's find out what your thoughts are. Sanjay Dutt is gone. Uh, other news is being reported that more people uh, very well could be gone. Expect more cuts and announcements by WWE soon. Are you surprised? No. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised at this point because it uh, seems like they are just going on this huge cost-cutting thing, and I'm not going to be the guy that says, oh, because they're going to get sold. I mean that's that's the rumor that everybody goes with but um i'm not surprised he left um i'm actually surprised they have as many people in the back as they do they seem to have like 15 producers and like 50 writers and whatever it's like it might just be a you know a matter of them trying to get back to basics and just saying you know like this is the part nobody's probably thinking but you know just get back to basics don't have as many people like when they were writing raw in the 90s it was vince um bruce pritchard i think and maybe pat patterson that was it you know like and they would just and they would write everything out they write all the pay-per-views they write all the shows everything so it might just be getting back to basics but um sanjay dutt i mean he's 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 got a great career and everything and i'm sure he can be useful somewhere else um who knows maybe he'll go back to impact or something um but you know what it's uh it's just it's just sign of the times, I guess, for WWE. That's all. Let me ask you this question, uh, and this one's obviously going to go to Anton. Why do you feel like there is such a large belief system that the company may be sold? What what? Why do you think that that rumor still somehow persists in social media? Because many people within the company have openly denied it. But then again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Yeah. No keep everything close to the vest especially in this business especially you know vince's typical mo is don't sell shit you know not you know not physically so that's one of those fucked up things like that i think it's rumor and speculation but when you see a major corporation just cycling out fucking people like that you gotta wonder what the fuck is going on here you know it's that simple really but on liam's note stone cold's been saying it since 02 moxley's also been saying it that we don't need this many fucking writers you know yep in depending on what era of the 90s it was bruce pat and vince jim Cornette at one point then it was vince and vince and jim Cornette, and then it was you know just vince and vince really you know with pat helping with finishes and bruce helping here and there so it depends on what era you're talking about but you know he isolated his fucking self and started building a huge wall after vince russo left and they made writers take those you know 90 day no compete clauses and etc that made everything really weird and different because before that they were just employees free to leave when the fuck ever so 
you know, Moxley's also talked about that. He's like, I don't know what safety bubble and shit that they, he started building in roughly 02 to make sure that never happened again, that if someone leave, you know, leaves, it just keeps fucking trucking, you know, the little engine that could. I don't fucking know, man. But it's weird, you know. I've known about Sanjay Dunn since like 03, 04, before TNA, because of backyard wrestling games. That's how I knew about Sanjay oh, Dunn. Yes. So, yeah. I'll, yeah. You know, fucking New Jack, Vampiro, Sandman. When you know, I was like, where did all these people go? And started playing backyard wrestling, and that's how I found out about XPW and shit. You know, and also being a juggalo at one point in the clowns. You know, it's just really fucking weird. Well, I don't juggalo, but I do jiggle when I run. But I'm going to throw it to a man who uh, knows a little bit more about this than even I do. Mike Cook, um, Sanjay Dutt gone, obviously. If he is a, such a well-respected man and he decides to step away, in any way, in your opinion, does that say something about the company when someone chooses to leave the, uh, the, the biggest company there is right now in wrestling? And... and... <laughs> Hold it, hold it. We're gonna throw it really quickly to Liam. Liam, was that was that uh, something in in your neck of the woods? Yeah. Do you see how the lights are on me now? Yeah. Someone's back now at the fucking driveway. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and let's start back to Mike Cook here. Mike, what's your take? Sanjay Dutt decides to leave. Uh, is that writing on the wall when somebody that's successful for so long says, "You know what? I'm out." Yeah. Or I mean, we all don't know what the main reason could be. I could have been burned out for all we know, you know. Um, but Sanjay has left so many good marks with so many promotions. Just like Anton mentioned, you know, he could go back to Impact. He could go back to MLW. You know, he was the first and only junior heavyweight champion they had before it became the uh, the middleweight title. Um, you know, New Japan strong. You never know. Uh, with someone as experience as Sanjay Dutt is, he's not going to be staying down too long, you know? No, I agree with you 100%. I think somebody like Sanjay, who is well-respected within the industry, and he actually had admitted in an interview the reason why he actually retired from wrestling was because of a nagging Achilles uh, tendon injury that happened in 2017 that just never quite healed the right way. And it stinks because he was such a great talent in the ring. Um, speaking of backstage, I know we may or may not have talked about this, but if we have, I, I apologize for the redundancy. Um, but did we ever talk about um, Kenise Mobley? Did we ever talk about her? She was the woman who was hired on to oh, the yeah. writing staff for WWE. Did we talk about that? I don't think. I think we did in the DMs, but that was it. So basically, and this is old news, and I apologize ahead of time for this, but with with Miss Mobley, she was a stand-up comedian in the New York City area. She had some background in theater. Uh, she actually mm. made an appearance on, I believe it was Jimmy Kimmel's show, and did some stand-up. But she said WWE found her and literally said, and this is a quote from her, it was a surprise to me. They didn't even require me to know anything about wrestling. And I just, from a family who claims, you know, the, the time-honored tradition, you know, it's, it's the way it's supposed to. That's not time-honored whatsoever. That's not time-honored just by bringing some people in who don't know anything about wrestling. How is that supposed to be something that's respected and appreciated? And you think about it from this perspective, too. She's a stand-up comedian. I get it. But I've produced two independent films. So technically, 
I am just as amply qualified to be a writer backstage than she is. Right. And I we clearly, all we all of us are, we clearly all know way more about wrestling than, than she does. And she's not trying to lie about it and say, I, you know, she says, I don't know anything about wrestling. She was open and honest and they still hired her. Let's go ahead and let's talk about this really quick. Cause I feel like this dovetails into the, the Sanjay Dutt situation of who's really running things backstage. Uh, Moondog, um, just recap your thoughts on the whole situation of she didn't have to know anything. That seems to be a little weird. I mean, she got the job. Good on her. <laughs> it's no, not I, her, I it's agree. Not her it's fault. not her fault. Correct. It reminds me of the story of, if you guys remember the Diva Search, where they would hire all these models. One of the models was actually a wrestling fan, and she wanted to make a Katie Vick joke when she was talking to uh, uh, one of the writers. Well, the writer, well, I want to say this had to be like a few years after, just a few and the writer, the writer uh, said no because he doesn't know he had no idea what what she was talking about. So Shut the up. writer, the writer didn't know about Katie Vick. Like that literally happened a few years ago. So they'll hire whoever if if they're a comedian, if they can write comedy and shit, they'll put comedy and wrestling. Let me put it to you this way: We all know somebody who's incredibly funny. Why isn't Mikey Whipwreck a writer? All kidding no aside. Shit. Mikey, said, no shit. Mikey Whipwreck could be a writer from yeah. his home. From his home. Okay. He's funny as hell. Why isn't he considered for it? Let's get that started on social media. Mikey Whipwreck should be writing for WWE. They should fire the creative team and just put Mikey in charge and let him do it. Not strictly just Mikey. I can see Mikey I, going, fuck you. Yeah, Mikey would, <laughs> Mikey would fucking tell everyone to eat a dick and lose his shit rather quickly with that much stress. It, yeah, get Mikey a small team. <laughs> yes, but Mikey would very politely tell everyone to eat a fucking dick very fucking quickly. But he would be very qualified, though. I oh, mean, yeah. he would be oh, yeah. amazing to write. I mean, you want funny? He'll give you funny. You want straight serious? He'll give you straight serious. And will he get up in somebody's shit and tell them if they're not doing something right? You're damn right he's going to do it. He was from the Paul Heyman School of Promos, so you know what? He can guarantee teach anybody within reason, how to do a, a good promo if they're willing to work with him. So, oh, yeah. interesting. All right. So, um, Liam, what was what was your take on that whole thing, too? I mean, she didn't know anything about wrestling. Does that seem to bother you, or do you seem to think, you know what, it is what it is? Uh, these days, I guess, like, would have bothered me maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. But at this rate, it doesn't really matter because, I mean, they're at a certain point where they – have a certain direction that they're going and they want to obviously um I, I don't know it's, it's like it's like they they have a, a just a certain way of doing things now and it's like you could say okay i'm i'm really uh surprised by this but at the same time if you're saying you're surprised and you've known about how this company's been run for the last like five years ten years then you're just saying like eh, par for the course right i mean it doesn't really make much difference at this point let me go ahead and throw it over to Mike Cook. Mike doesn't know anything about wrestling. Does it bother you? A lot. Because um, that was the same shit that was going on with WCW. It was run by a whole bunch of people that knew nothing at all about wrestling. Uh, no history, nothing. And, you know, I, as a longtime wrestling fan, and when I saw the statement she said about it, I mean, yeah, I get it. She's a comedian and all that. 
Uh, and I know she was trying to be funny about it. I didn't find the humor in it. That's just me. I can understand that. I can respect that. It's one of these things where I think it depends on what your school of thought is. Um, some people may say it's time for a fresh start. It's time that we go ahead and we look in a direction that we haven't looked at before. Maybe we should look outside the ring ropes and people who've done this for so long and maybe get a fresh perspective. To that, I say in some ways I get it. However, in the same breath, at the end of the day, they still need to know something about the product. I mean, if, if no one knows anything about it, then what's the point of just hiring a 12-year-old? I mean, hell, even a 12-year-old may be watching a lot more wrestling than just, you know, somebody who's just uh, a quote-unquote writer. So, 12-year-old Mike Cook was basically doing storylines and writing months and months of pay-per-view stuff. I was doing that younger than 12. I don't know. It's just one of those things that I feel like, you know, what Liam said before, This, if this happened, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it may, might bother him. Nowadays, are you just at the point where you're just not that interested anymore? You're just de-invested yeah, in it. Yeah, it's pointless. You, yeah. you just you just expect a certain thing to happen now. It's just, I, I can get where, like, you know, it might have been, like, before how Vince would, you know, make a whole point of saying, oh, it's good to get different people with different experiences, and you can hear certain, um, you know, even commentators that say they didn't even have a wrestling background or anything when they came in. Mm-hmm. They, some of them turn out okay, and some of them turn out kind of shitty. But um, I think it's, you know, Vince tries to keep things like open-minded in that sense as far as hiring people. But you know, if you see how everything worked before the national expansion, everybody that was in charge in any of those companies all were either a wrestler or they were married into the business or family or something, you know. And you didn't really get outsiders. Nobody, you couldn't even get anybody going into the actual locker room if they didn't know who you were, you know, stuff like that. Everything has changed now. So it's like nowadays, it's not surprising, but like this had to happen like 20, 30 years ago. Forget it, you know? Well, I mean, even if think about this, it even came to the point we've heard stories where you weren't even allowed to get trained unless you knew somebody who would vouch for you. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those deals where, and then if the person didn't work out, the person who recommended them, they could get blackballed from the business as well, right. or they, they could get shit for bringing somebody right. in who was not part of the, I hate to use this phrase, the inner circle. So uh, we have really, really changed. Um, we've done a, a 180 to where we once were to we are where we are today. Um, Adam Cole uh, recently has been in the news as well. He said among other things, that it bothered him that uh, AE, or not AEW, sorry, that WWE refers to NXT as developmental. Um, I'm going to kind of go around the horn here and get a few other people's opinions because I know how this panel has felt for quite a long time. We've all agreed it ain't developmental, at least in my opinion. I think these stars are really good. Um, I don't feel like you need to bring them to the main roster and completely change who they are or teach them the WWE way necessarily. I'm going to throw it to uh, to Moondog first. Developmental or the third brand? What's your take on Adam Cole's comments? It's been the third brand for years. That's why whenever like a new guy straight from the PC debuts and they don't have that uh, 
ability, like you see the guys like Adam Cole and all of them, they get shat on, which sucks because NXT was supposed to be the developmental brand. Really, the real developmental is the NXT house shows, which there have been none. So, uh, with the pandemic and such. But no, it's been the third brand for years. Uh, I think the only reason people still call it developmental is because of, you know, it's got, it's got, uh, wrestlers are trying to develop, you know. That's the only reason. If, uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon either. Cause again, it was originally and still intended to be developmental in some way, but at the, it's also at the same time, the third brand. We go ahead and throw it to Mike cook. Uh, Mike Adam Cole was offended by this. And obviously there's a lot of wrestling fans who would probably back Adam Cole up a hundred percent and argue that NXT is the superior brand. If you're really looking at all three of them, what's your take on the whole Label of developmental. Is this is this conversation just getting old and worn out? Um, I wouldn't say it's old and worn out, but it is repetitive within means. Um, I agree with Adam Cole. I mean, if it's at the point to where pre-main roster, a brand like NXT is doing so much better. And yes, we don't have house shows. So right now, a lot of the people fresh out of PC are used as jobbers. But isn't that how you want to do it? You want to start them and grow them up from the bottom on up. That's what makes NXT more organic. Like some of the guys who are now, you know, well-known in NXT regulars, they started out as that jobber. You know, Baron Corbin, he was a jobber on NXT before they started giving him a gimmick and, you know, rebranded him. I think it's just once they get the main roster, they get that change as a way for, you know, Raw and SmackDown to say, okay, you're still developmental. They're only looked at as developmental because they're treated by the main roster. But by any means, NXT is more than just a third brand. They're in their own separate world. They're separating themselves from, you know, Raw and SmackDown. So I wouldn't even call them a third brand. I just call them their own brand, you know. That's That's why at one point that Slipknot song was called we are not your kind. That was used as a hidden, you know, texture to that. We're not Raw. We're not SmackDown. We're NXT. We're our own kind. You think Raw and SmackDown is going to play heavy metal music on the regular? No, we get ACDC with all due respect. But it's even up to date even in terms of pop culture and whatnot on the show. It makes a big difference. Big difference. And a lot I of people agree. don't speak from that. No, I agree. Point well made there. Let's go ahead and throw it over to Anton. Um, what, what, what's your thoughts here? I mean, we've gone over this time and time again, and I think the stars have said on numerous occasions who are signed with WWE, if you choose to bring me to one of the brands, I'm not going. You think at some point in time it's the wrestlers who are going to have to stand up and say we're not willing to leave NXT because, well, we kind of know what happens. So I've a prior point to make on the previous topic as well. They yes. started bringing in writers from Jimmy Fallon show, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brian Gerwitz, the dude who left with the rock to form seven bucks productions. Right. Writer from the night show came in. Chris Kresge, dude from the Brady bunch came in. They've been bringing in people like this for over 20 years. I respect the woman for going. I don't know shit about wrestling, but you got to have at least some people who know shit about wrestling to keep your fucking product working period. Correct. So done with that, I guess. So, no, but good, point, the, good point made, though. On the note of this, though, um, 
the pay is not the same. They're still paid as developmental. So there's that. Let's mm. that's a big separating point. Yes, they can make a living, mm. you know, Cole, Gargano, etc. etc. Champa is stated that his body couldn't handle the main roster schedule. He'd be broken. Mikey made that comment years ago. So there's that. In the beginning, specifically mm-hmm. like 14, 15, 16, like when Alexa Bliss was there, when Enzo and Cass were there, etc. It reminded me of territory wrestling, to be honest. Like the old school syndicated our shows. This is here to build your product, have an old school style fan base. It was very ECW-ish. Ish. It just it it's now definitely its own category, the we are not your kind thing. Definitely. I agree with Mike Unidon. But Cole's right. It's not developmental. It gets more attention than everything else. Raw and SmackDown did have heavy metal themes at one point, but that's the 90s and 2000s, the whole rap metal era, so that's different. You know, Vince didn't get crack at it, so he didn't get a lot of it. Still doesn't. So no surprise that they converted to ACDC and pop bullshit. Mm-hmm. No surprise there. But yeah, I would be offended if my job was considered developmental when we get more attention to a degree than everything else, when we're the shit people actually want to watch. Yeah, I'd be pissed off too. I really would be. Well, I think at the end of the day, I mean, and I use that phrase probably way too much than I should. I think it's it's really boils down to what do you think? That's- I mean, if, if you are an NXT fan, you are going to see NXT in your own mind as the brand that you prefer. If you are a Raw and SmackDown person, you're going to see NXT as a developmental brand. At the end of the day, what the hell does it even matter? Because they're on USA Network. You're able to watch them just like you're able to watch the other two shows I don't really care necessarily what they're called. Um, I'm enjoying it for who they are. And like you said, outside of the pay. Now, if, the, if there's a discrepancy within the pay, I think that in itself is a problem. But let's say that that gets, becomes even Steven, which would you say that's the biggest crux of the entire developmental, non-developmental is the money? I do. Specifically in like Cole's case, you know, Gargano's case, Choppa's case, etc., I think that's very much the issue. But to people who are coming in strictly from the PC, people that they are teaching from basics to be pro wrestlers. That's developmental. Yes, that's developmental. Pay them as developmental. They're learning. You know, help them pay their bills. Give them enough to fucking survive on. But you're learning. You don't deserve six figures. Sorry and shit. It's, you know, that's just truly how I look at it. When Lesnar left WWE to go fucking play for the Vikings, he said, I'm making like 250, you know, a year. That was a way big pay cut for him. Why? Because he was developmental. Well, he also had never played a lick of football in his well, life. So he in had high be... school and a little bit in college. But yeah, he hadn't played football since high school when he decided right. to do that. So for him to make the practice team and shit, and I'm not a football person, but for him to do all that, motherfucker got skill, but he you know didn't deserve he deserved the six figures he was earning, but he wasn't gonna get a million, two million, you know. Right. Two fifty starting base. If you do good, pay you more. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Um Moving on here, Samoa Joe talks about his WWE release and his return to the ring. This article uh, is credited to Drew Rice, uh, who writes for Wrestling Inc., which is, in my opinion, once again, one of the best places to go when it comes to articles. I'm going to read this, and this may take a minute or so, but it says, Current NXT enforcer Samoa Joe was on a recent guest of Out of Character with Ryan Satin. During the interview, Joe discussed whether or not he keeps up tabs on everything else through the independent scene. Um, he talks about that, and then he also talks about what exactly happened with his release. So Joe goes on to say, 
While during WWE, Joe was asked about his release from the company in April, Joe said that the whole, whole ordeal was a bit weird, but he says he understood the decision from the company's perspective. Joe also revealed that Triple H was quickly in touch with him following the company's decision. And these are some quotes from him. It was weird, admitted Joe. Johnny Ace called me, and I thought it was kind of rare for him to call. He says, hey, I said, hey, what's up, Johnny? How are you doing? He told me, hey, listen, we're going to have to release you from your contract. I was like, okay, cool. Hey, Joe, we think the world of you and love to work with you again. And I was like, all right, absolutely, Johnny. Uh, and honestly, I did have a bit of understanding, obviously, at the time, dealing with injuries, coming back and getting ready for rehabilitation and going through all of that stuff. Um, so at the end of the day, he was brought back. He says, a few hours later, I got a call from Triple H. And it was pretty much a uh, change of plan situation after I got a bunch of company text messages wishing me happy farewells. People enjoyed truly working with me. And then he said, give me a minute. I'm getting out of a meeting. Then we had a brief conversation, which is essentially was, give me a bit of time. I'll work out a new package and we'll be talking soon. And that's basically what happened. And Joe has mentioned that obviously he has not been cleared to wrestle. And that has been basically what happens is they fired him to get him off the books for being a wrestler salary. They bring him back onto the books as somebody who's going to be backstage producer and part-time on air person until it's determined if it's determined that he's able to wrestle again. So Joe seems to be cool with this. Uh, let's throw it to Moondog. Do you think in a lot of ways, um, Joe really wanted to stay with WWE, even if he could wrestle instead of going somewhere else because he realizes there is some security with WWE? Or do you think that's kind of a fallacy when you put the words security and WWE together? If he didn't want to go, he wouldn't have gone. I mean, you got all these other options. So I'm sure he, I'm sure he was just, he was either just going with the flow or been like, yeah, I, I I wouldn't mind coming back, you know, when, when Triple H called him up. So it's probably just a case of that. If he didn't want to go, if he didn't want to go back after getting released, he wouldn't have gone back. Let's go ahead and throw it to Mike. Um, so Joe gets released from a talent contract. I think we kind of talked about this a little bit. You know, he was making a, a pretty fat salary. He wasn't wrestling. Therefore, they decided to let him go, as they call it, cost-cutting. They bring him back literally not that much long later after they released him to put him in an advisory role working backstage and being a part-time on-camera person until or if he ever gets a chance to wrestle again. Do you feel like this was a good move for Joe or do you think Joe should have rolled the dice and gambled on himself and tried to see what else he could get? I think it's a good move on Joe. Um, Joe's not a spring chicken and Joe is not you know, for his size, he's not working that move set that he was doing, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And plus, I figured he, he's got a family to think about. So I think he was looking at things from a futuristic standpoint. Now, we always say nobody retires in pro wrestling. This we all know. So um, I'm not counting out a one more run for Joe, even if it means NXT. So... Do, do, would you agree? I'm going to throw this to the entire panel. Do you agree that the Samoa Joe big time main event money push to be the WWE champion has that has that ship sailed? Yeah, sadly. Yes. Yeah, it's been gone. And, and his chance was that AJ feud. Yep, he should have won it at SummerSlam. 
And then yeah, drop or it or back if you wanted Styles to have it. Even the match where Brock had great balls of fire, that was that it was amazing. To it, they thought they honestly thought Joe was going to be the man to do it. I agree with Mike Cook's comment though about have you have you noticed the shit that he did even 15 years ago? Let's say you know, 05. You know, he doesn't dive out the ropes as much anymore. He cut down a lot of that. They banned the muscle buster, which sucked because fuck, that was one of my favorite things he did. But you know, Vince's opinion on Joe has always been he's a fat, out of shape Samoan, which is fucking insane. Fucking insane. So, considering, you know, Yoko, Rikishi, etc. And I know I've brought this up before, but it just it boggles my motherfucking mind. And Damian Elliott mentioned in the chat, does Vince watch wrestling? No, no, he doesn't. If you seriously listen to JR, Bruce, Arn, it d- doesn't matter who you listen to. Unless someone's fucking shoving it down his throat. Here's a fucking tape. Sit here, watch this. No, he doesn't. Hasn't in fucking 30 years, roughly. You know, when Colt Cabana was pitching, you know, comedy shit to him, modern comedy shit, he was like, ah, Red Fox. He, I talk about being in a bubble. That motherfucker is in a fucking cocoon. And, and here's the funny thing. Like, Red Fox obviously is an icon in comedy. However, if you were to talk to a lot of younger people who are not connoisseurs of comedy <laughs> like that, um, they're not going to know who Red no. Fox is. I, I no. hate to say that, but Red Fox was is is a legend. But once again, if you're not if if you don't understand and remember somebody who was like Richard Pryor, I was going to bring up Pryor. Legend <laughs> yes. was a legend. But if you ask the average twenty five year old or twenty year old, how many people do you really think have sat down and listened to Richard Pryor before? And people they haven't. Have. They've listened to, you know, Chris Rock, some Kevin Hart, some Cat Williams, but they haven't dug into who influenced them, like Correct. Richard Pryor or Carlin or Sam Kennison. You know, like, I'm thankful that I'm old enough to know these things, to have grown up on Married with the Children and, you know, shit that y'all did. That's why I fit in here, you know. But, you know, like, he was also talking to Colt Cabana about Jackie Gleason. I know who Jackie Gleason is. Yes. But, again, your average, you know, teen viewer in, in that time frame – they didn't Not a clue. know to the moon and who the fuck Jackie Gleason was. Correct. You know, it just, it proves how much of a bubble he's in. Someone give it to Liam, Mr. Mick. Let's go ahead and let's throw it to the mixture. What's, what's your, what's your take on this? I mean, it's, it's a situation of, it's not just out of touch. I almost think it's a situation of if it's not okay with him, it doesn't exist at all. <clears throat> Well, I'm glad I get to talk about this topic at least. So, um, <laughs> the as far as Joe goes, yeah, I mean, it sucks they had to let him go and then just bring him back under a certain contract. But I mean, you know, this reality of the situation, he's his body can't handle it anymore. And I think you know, anybody can tell that just the amount of injuries he's had in the last two three years. Um, that's evident that you shouldn't be in there anymore or just do a very light schedule now i mean with this contract who knows if they added something in there to say okay you know what you're you're okay to do like maybe a couple matches a year and then we'll kind of maybe restructure if it goes better than that but you know like he can't be doing that but you know just having his role right now it's a good role like an authority figure and then if he can you know possibly merge into commentating at some point you know, um, and then uh, have the odd match here or there. They're dropping little seeds for it every now and then with Cross and stuff like that. Then, yeah, I don't see a problem with it. But 
he, he sh- probably shouldn't be in the ring anymore. His best days are behind him, unfortunately. And I'm only saying that not because he can't go still, but because he his body can't handle it as well as it did, say, even five years ago. Well, let's 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 keep we're going to keep it on on this thing for a second here. So Joe obviously is returning. He's returning to NXT, um, an authority figure, if you will, because there's been many rumors and stories about obviously. Um, gosh, I call him Lord Stephen Regal, and I feel like so old for saying <laughs> that, but that he's ready to to step away. So, do you think, kind of dovetailing this into the Adam Cole comments? about being developmental and whatnot. Do you think Joe can bring some more legitimacy to that and not make it get rid of that stigma if he's the one in charge? Do you mean just as far as the brand goes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can you can look at it like uh, NXT is a it's kind of an old school type of brand. You know, it's booked a little more old, old school, a little more long term. Um, William Regal, I mean, he's he's old school these days. He wasn't when he was in his prime, but he's old school these days. Um, so, I mean, I don't know necessarily if that makes any difference, but Samoa Joe has been wrestling longer than Regal, as for, like into this era. So, I mean, that can help as far as the current crop and people might recognize Samoa Joe more that have grown up in this era, and that'll help. But, I mean... You know, that's just the way NXT is. It just it books everything with a certain style that you can't find on Raw or SmackDown. Uh, even if it's not as good today as it was before, it's still it, it's still the best one out of the three. And you know, you can't discount like NXT UK or anything like that. But I mean, that's just that's for about as hardcore as you can get. Like you know, almost nobody watches that, and I'm sorry to say it, but but um, yeah, I mean. It's it's uh it's a matter of just having the old school flair and the just quote unquote wrestling. Um, if you have Joe in there, he's gonna bring that to NXT. Liam wins that comment. I was going to say it's actually a wrestling show, like, right? Tiny bits of sports entertainment thrown in, tiny bits, you know. Well, it's getting a little more now, but you know, it's still yeah. in its heart. In its heart, it's it is. still wrestling. Like right. Hunter realized, Paul, whatever the fuck. He's like, we don't have anything actually wrestling related. Like, you know, right. SmackDown at one point in time, like the 0304 era, Raw, super talk heavy, SmackDown, super wrestle fucking heavy. So, right. and I think that's essentially what NXT is and has been for roughly, you know, the last eight or so years. It fills that void for people like us who want wrestling. Yep. <laughs> Well, that kind of takes me to my next topic here, which, gosh, I'm 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 going to apologize ahead of time to everybody because I'm most likely going to butcher a lot of these names as I have done before when it comes to Japanese wrestling. So just kind of bear with me on this. Let Mike Cook do it. Uh, yeah, I love tri- Mike do it. Triple <laughs> uh, Triple A Triple Mania is obviously going to be happening uh, very very soon, and we're going to be seeing Kenny Omega. Um, showcased in that one as well but there's going to be a lot of other things that are going to be happening in that uh match as well you're going to see a lot of different people from impact wrestling who are going to be a part of that as well and there is going to be it's going to be more of a conglomerate uh type of production much like what aew is doing with impact wrestling the big event's going to be happening on saturday august the 14th from uh, mexico city mexico obviously the show will air on facebook uh aztec space uh, and other various forms of multimedia uh, within Mexico itself. 
Now, they did mention before that it was going to be kind of like a Comic-Con as well. Had anybody ever heard about that as far as that combination between wrestling and... Nope. Yeah, it was also... It was announced that the Marvel's Lucha Libre exhibition will uh, return this year. Now, so far, no names have been announced for the match, but there will be some new names uh, coming out soon. So I'm not even going to uh, attempt this. The, the first match in the Marvel's Lucha Libre edition or project uh, with AAA um, is going to be Papura uh, and Thanos. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, Vernicide and Venom Black, or Venom, which is Black Taurus, versus Ooh. Arcano um, slash Spider-Man, and then Leo Rush, which obviously is going to have to be replaced because he is no longer wrestling. Um, this week. Yeah. <laughs> and El Linadia. So there is going sure. to be Marvel components to this has anybody ever heard of this before where some of the wrestlers are going to be uh in a cosplay situation as if they are marvel characters let's start with the moon dog you obviously know a little bit more about this than even i so oh yeah that's happened in lucha for decades and um even some in japanese wrestling like recently um all japan all japan did a match where it was like hellboy somebody wrestled as hellboy to hype up the movie in uh japan it's japanese release but um, no, for decades there have been Spider-Man and Batman and Ninja Turtles. Uh, there's that famous picture of um, Under the Giant with the Ninja Turtles in UWA in Mexico. So it's just pro- it's 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 a co-promotion, uh, it's a, a fun little co-promotion that where the wrestlers dress up like superheroes and uh, have a match. That's all it is. It's it's usually fun. It, I mean, it's usually just fun stuff, nice attraction. I appreciate the fact that you can jump in here and basically save me in a segment that I am I am literally drowning like a wet dog on. So thank you very much for for throwing that in there. Um, they're hoping that they're going to be able to be at least a 25% capacity for Triple Mania. As far as I'm concerned, come on, guys. Let's just get back to what it normally is. Put people in there. Um, Mexico is a different beast. <laughs> so, you want to hear a different beast? I'm in Ontario. That's the worst part. Yeah, I was gonna say Canada. I've heard some Fuck, crazy dude. shit about Canada. Yeah, Canada's. no fucking clue. We're in the worst part of North America. Triple A's uh, Triple Mania is the biggest event of the year, and once again, it will take place on August the 14th um, from Mexico City. So we'll be bringing you more information on that. So that is the Marvel match, but obviously um, Penta, El Cerro Miro, and Ray Phoenix will be defending the. Triple A tag team titles as well, and Kenny Omega will be taking on who now? Andrade. Andrade, and what? How do we say his last or his? El Idolo. El Idolo. Very good. So there you go. Those are the thank you. Um, those are the matches that are announced so far. Um, let me ask you this question. Let me throw it to Mike Cook. Mike, when it comes to Triple Mania, would you buy this pay per view in your? Would you would you put the money out to watch this, or are you gonna just? Eh, I think I'll wait. I've been watching Triple uh, A Mania since uh, the very first one. Um, there's a guy on YouTube that got all of them uploaded, and actually, they showed the replays on the Triple uh, A uh, uh, YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a month later, they usually post it. Mm-hmm. 
Now, is this a situation where, and, and I'm trying to get a little bit more versed when it comes to um, AAA, they have the the six-sided ring as well, kind of like TNA mm. slash Impact did. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, special events, they, they break that out. Yeah, usually special events. Yeah, special events, they whip it out. But usually it's smaller shows, it's four-sided. And um, you also got to look at it like this when mentioning the 25%. Um, this is probably one of their first crowd shows because mm-hmm. how they were doing it before some of their smaller shows, um, the fans were sitting in the cars and instead of cheering and clapping, they were honking. Wow. Yes. Interesting. So that's, Once that's again, how, I like it. That's how, that's how Lucha Libre was going on. I like the, uh, I like how you guys are able to, to fill in the gaps here with the different things that happen from a cultural standpoint in other countries. Um, when it comes to this, now this can go either to Mike or to Liam or really to anybody. When it comes to Triple Mania, do they hold it traditionally in the same area, the same facility? Yep. And what yep. are we talking here if it were capacity, like no limits, no restrictions? Are we talking it's, like a Tokyo Dome or no? It's it's pretty big. Um, it's already in Mexico. Year, yeah, it's already, yeah. Early they did it in smaller venues, but that's because it was just growing. Um, they even did a you know, triple mania in America, um, in New York. Um, it's just right. one of those, yep. It was just one of those things where, uh, it's always been that tradition. And, and plus, you know, wrestling was still going on in Mexico during the peak of the pandemic because let's face it, Hispanics look at Lucha Libre the same way people look at religion. You know, wow. they, they take that very, very seriously over there, you know, like mass wrestlers, the only time that mass is coming off is if they're going to bed. Yep. Or the shower. And some of them don't even do that. I don't say that Mill Masker is showered in a mask. Yeah, there's yeah. a few of them who had shower mask. Yeah, some of them actually do shower with masks. Like Ultimo Dragon's at that point to where if he's somewhere where no one will recognize him, he'll take his mask off. Where you Sasuke, guys- Sasuke runs around with a mask in his daily yeah. life. Were you yeah. guys surprised when Rey Mysterio back in WCW, if you can remember this, he was um, part of the filthy animals when he ended up taking off his mask. I don't know as much about Lucha Libre wrestling, but obviously you guys all can chime in on this. Was that something that was taboo or was that something yes. that he got some, yes. some grief very, from? Very taboo. Big time taboo. I got so, the came in who've been tuned. So who yeah. wants to jump in here first? We'll throw it. We'll throw it to. Uh, we'll throw it to Moondog uh, first here. What 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 was your take on that whole situation, and what were your personal feelings about that? Well, of course, I was what 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 year? Did you, I'm at ninety eight, so I was a week old. But watching it well, back, I'm nice. going to kick you off the panel here because <laughs> you're basically you're uh, done. Yeah, you're younger than we are, but you probably know something about this. So please continue. Oh yeah, like watching it back though, it's it was kind of dumb, but it was, I think it was Nash's idea. Cause Nash said, Ray looks, Ray has good look. But anyway, there's a story that, um, triple a or whatever promotion they were going to have Ray lose his mask in Mexico. Like he did on TV in America. But I think there's like a commission, a Lucha commission or some shit that was like, uh, no, <laughs> you lost your mask already. You're not doing that again. And I think somebody narked him too. Like they were gonna do it, but I think somebody narked him at the commission, saying this guy already lost his mask. So they fucking did it. Cause I know there was a guy in AAA, I want to say, who lost his mask. And then when he went on Lucha Underground, he was still wearing a mask. But 
uh, he ended up losing it in a mask match. So, like, you could go anywhere else, but I think Mexico, there's actually a, a lucha commission or some shit. I don't know if there still is, but back then there was. It, it is based on the uh, company and the trademark of the gimmick. Mm. Um, like, the reason why, you know, Penta El Cero Miedo uses that name is because, you know, Triple AI has the rights to the uh, Pentagon name. Yeah. You know? Pentagon, Pentagon Junior, Pentagon Black. You know, most people didn't know there Pentagon was a dark. dark. Pentagon Dark. Well, same. Well, yeah, Pentagon but- Dark didn't really count. That was just Lucha Underground, but they don't even, Mexico doesn't even recognize the Pentagon Dark gimmick, but they do recognize Pentagon. Because the reason why is because Pentagon Black, the guy who did that gimmick. But uh, Interesting. Let's on the uh, so Bischoff thought he had good looks. He was in tabloids and shit, supposedly with Jennifer Aniston and linked to a bunch of celebrities during that time period. Bischoff didn't think people could sell with masks on, especially if he felt they were good looking like Ray or Hoobie. He wanted to unmask them to give them more, only causing them to flop because there was no mysteriousness about it anymore. When right. he went to go to WWE, he had to go before that Me- Lucha Council, Mexico Council, whatever, and get permission to wear the mask again. He had to go do that. That's not a joke. So, and Vince really didn't get it, but Bruce pushed for it from a merchandising standpoint. They're like, think of the money. So that's where, that's why. And Vince also hates juniors. So that's just why Rey Mysterio and not Rey Mysterio Jr. That's all that's actually very fucking true. And as for why he unmasked in WCW, it was told to fucking do it or you don't have a job. So that's. <laughs> Man, do it so, or hit the fucking bricks. So many things that you know happen that we may or may not agree with. Um, Liam, what's your what's your take on that? I mean, if you come from a country and not only a country but his family, um, it's it just the history of local. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, a local promoter or you know United States promoter, even if it is Vince McMahon, says go ahead and do this. I'm sure that there is some backlash that has to happen within the family or within Mexico. Or do you, do you think any of that really hit him, or do you think eh, paycheck counts for more? Uh, I, I I'm trying to remember if Bischoff on his podcast was talking about Juventud Guerrero or Rey Mysterio, but it was one of the two because I know both. both of them lost their masks. Yeah, it's both. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, uh, I know it's, I think it was especially Hoobie was really upset about it because he didn't want to do that, especially since his dad, uh, Fuerza Guerrera, um, was, you know, had the mask and everything like a different kind of mask, but it was, it was somewhat similar. And, uh, I guess he kind of went along with the whole thing that it, you know, kind of brings shame if you lose your mask, uh, in a shitty way. So he lost in the States, but at the same time, you're in the States and it's, completely different culture unless you're in uh southern california you know where lucha's you know somewhat prominent it's not going to be the same thing so when Hoovy lost his mask when uh ray lost his mask it was uh it was surprising but at the same time it was like you know it's it's big tv in america what are you gonna do you know and uh oh and and also like a fun note pentagon was in uh wwf but it was the original Pentagon. Yeah. Not, yeah. I remember when the AAA invasion happened in like 97 or something, I think. And no, uh, they brought in a it. lot of the, uh, they brought in a lot of the old, like the older guys like Piroth and uh, Pero Guayo and all that. But then they brought in the new guys like Hector Garza and heavy metal and 
Latin Lover and all those guys. Yeah, Pentagon and all those. And yeah, yeah, just, just something to throw out there. Very good. Very good insight on that as well. See, that's the thing about this panel here. We're definitely eclectic, but everybody seems to know their shit. And that's a big thing, except for me. I'm just a moderator. Yep. But everyone knows their, their stuff very, very well. Um, we have officially hit the end of the topics themselves. We're going to go and throw it out to the Twitter universe or the Twitch universe. Want you to throw out some things you would like to hear our panel discuss upon. Anything that maybe oh, no. has happened within the last week no since we've last done this show. Something you would dun, like dun, to dun. hear us talk about. Don't get the obvious to Moondog. Uh, we're we're we're, we're going to leave uh, Shellshock Nation out of, uh, of of the runnings right here. Yeah, by the way, you don't qualify. B- by the way, I I will say this. Uh, the Rit has been trying to go ahead and give away these amazing action figures, and uh, all you got to do is help us. Like us on Instagram, like us on Twitter, and obviously like us on Twitch as well, and you will get entered. All right, Mitchy Blaze has this one. Jungle Boy and Anna <laughs> J. I think we've all seen the picture that uh, was taken. I believe it was on the same night that Jungle Boy and Kenny Omega had their match on Dynamite for the World Championship. But it seems to be overshadowed by the fact that uh, there was some heavy smooching going on in the parking lot between Jungle Boy and Anna J. Uh, I'm going to throw it to, well, it's Moondog. <laughs> Is Moondog no. gone? Yeah. I guess either his internet connection or something him. happened. Um, what is, what's your take on people wrestling or wrestling, dating each other within the wrestling industry? Do you feel like, honestly, it is a conflict of interest or do you think at the end of the day, eh, not a problem? We'll go to, uh, to Mr. Savage first. Not a problem. And uh, I mean, it's been happening for, for ages Ever. at this point. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, Jungle Boy, you are a lucky son of a bitch. I, <laughs> I was waiting for the first person to say he, that. I mean, uh, like he's he's got like he, it, it, his dad. I mean, his dad was on nine hundred two and zero and got to, you know, make out with all these really hot women, and then his son took over the lead and is like, oh well, now I'm gonna go with like one of the hottest women in wrestling. So yeah, there you go. So fuck, lucky bastard. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna throw over this to uh, to Anton here. Anna J. Now, obviously, <laughs> yeah, that is two for lucky there. son of a bitch. That's right. Do you feel like yep. Anna J. Honestly, and Jungle Boy, for that matter, are going to be big names within AEW in years to come, or do you feel like sometimes that phrase gets thrown around too loosely? It does get thrown around too loosely, but also they are attempting to build the future, and that's the name of the fucking game. You know, think about all the old school people they have in who you see on their back more often than not. They're doing the old school tradition of we come in and we lay down. So that's it is what it is. The nine hundred two one zero thing is funny considering his dad is Luke fucking Perry. You know, it's also you know that guy must be a hell of a fucking salesman like Billy Kidman. I'm just, I am just gonna say that like homeboy's got the fucking game. So, yep. but you know, I've heard Darby say he didn't want to dip his pen in the company ink, you know, but you also, you know, I've dated people I've worked with in restaurants and at Walmart, you, you know, you draw who's around from you, etc. So it, it just is what it is. You know, it could go really good or it could go really fucking bad, but you typically are drawn to who you're around most. Edge and Lita, 
Punk in his entire fucking run. Yep. <laughs> through the WWE Divas division. Paul London as well. Carlito. Yeah. Carly. Yeah. There's I've a lot the, of them. I've heard Bruce say that uh Punk was the real Divas champion. And uh, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. He was. Um let's throw it over to Mike Cook. Mike, do you feel like at the end of the day, um it, I, I don't know, this might not necessarily be related to what we're talking about, but people are more fascinated with who is dating who and what's happening behind the scenes sometimes more than they probably should as wrestling fans. It's like it was mentioned earlier, the taboo of it all, you know, and it was like we were talking about when Rene Dupree was on the show, you know, a lot of people, they have that fantasy of wanting to see, okay, yeah, I know that they're a character, but are they really human? Like, what do they like? What do they enjoy? You know, those type of things. Um, hey, good for Jungle Boy, you know, but it's funny because I had discussion as well, too, in the past, you know, we were mentioning about the Carrie Cross situation. If him and Scarlett split, would that help or hurt his career? And of course, a lot of people like to use the Mark Merrill complex when it comes to situations. Now, oh, go ahead. Was, okay, so you're catch me up on this. Is the Mark Merrow situation, uh, was he still with her or had that ended by the time? Bit of both. I think, I think it was still little, together. But I mean, when they got split up, you saw how Sable like skyrocketed. And then, you know, she got the ego from it, you know, and I, and I can see if that causes you know, a rift and everything. You know, Mark Merrill was already getting the shit into the stick when he first got in because he was the first wrestler at the time to get a guaranteed contract, you know. So I can imagine we're dealing with that. Then your wife is more popular than you are, and I'm pretty sure he was supportive about it. But, you know, having to deal with that type of ego, it probably wasn't healthy. Let's go ahead and throw it to Moondog. Uh, good idea to go ahead and, and mess around with people that are within the company themselves, or do you think, oh, man, until one person leaves, this could make things awkward if things don't work out? Yeah, I mean, it's life. Not much you can do about it. People are going to fuck what they want to fuck, and we're all here for it. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's interesting you mention that because, you know, a, a perfect example of this whole situation was, I believe, Joey Janela originally was with Penelope Ford, mm -hmm. and she was the bad girl. And then all of a sudden, you know, things didn't quite work out with them. She then starts with Kip Sabian. Janela says that he thinks X, Y, Z about her. Nothing, uh, nothing very complimentary or flattering, he said. Um, if you're... I don't know if you necessarily can think this, but does one wrestler pull another wrestler aside and say, hey, no matter how good looking she is, somebody is tired of their shit. Do you, do you think at the end of the day they do that? Or do you think, hey, you know what? It's up to you. I'm done. I've moved on. If you want to go down this road, it's your choice. We're going to throw this to Liam. What's your take on that? Um, I don't know. I mean, people can think that it's going to, like, you know, cause a problem uh, if you know, a couple breaks up that are in wrestling, but I mean, like, you know, look at, I mean, like Edge and Lita, they're, they're fine now. Like they're both in on different paths and 
they're good, right? They're they're friendly and everything. And uh, you know, you can look at like Alexa Bliss and Buddy Murphy when they were on the same brand and everything on Raw. They've been broken up for a while, but they were still close friends, actually. So still are. Yeah, there you go. So I mean, there's there's the positive side, and then I don't really hear about a lot of the negative ones, but I can assume that it could be like any other workplace kind of deal where it could be, you know, um, you know, a couple breaks up and then someone gets like, especially in wrestling, they can get more favor um, there. It could kind of be looked at like a, like a big tag team. Like, you know, they break up and then one person gets the short end of the stick and then the other person gets like superstardom, you know, and that, that happened with Sable and Mark Merrow. But I mean, like Mark Merrow, he was, he was, he was good at what he did, but he was just kind of like upper mid card. Right. And then you put Sable in there and she was beautiful and everything like that. And obviously they'd never had anybody in their, you know, promotion like that before that was like, like Sonny was like gorgeous. Like, I think she's way better looking than Sable, but at the same time, Sable looked like a movie star. Who do you think is going to win in that deal? You know, and it costs, it costs uh, Mero his job. And then she got a huge ego. It's just, it's probably not the best idea to like start in with someone like starting a relationship and a promotion like that. But I mean, like it's, I just do it like a wait and see thing. Like, you know, Anna Jay, she's, she's coming along. She, I know she's on the, you know, the DL right now and uh, jungle boys, he's doing really good. He's got a lot of promise and everything. So hopefully it works out for them. That's all I can say. They've often mentioned on many wrestling podcasts that, you know, never bring your wife on the road with you. We've heard so many wrestlers say that. Is it different if the woman is already a wrestler as well? Does that necessarily change the dynamic a little bit? Anton, what's your take? Yes and no. Like Arn Anderson, wife was never in the business, wasn't really a fan, still together. Bruce Pritchard, him and his wife, kept it separated, still together. Sable and Lesnar have been together at this point. Hunter and Stephanie have been together at this point. Tommy and Beulah. But, like, it, it's very few and fucking far between, you know. Darby and fucking Priscilla got divorced. You know, Alexa and Buddy are still friends. He cared when her pig died because they got it together. You know, Edge and Lita, I think, are cool now-ish, but not not really, you know. It just, it fucking is what it is. Yeah, fucking uh, Mikey, Mikey Starks mentions Becky and Rollins are married now. Forgot about that. That's, you know, that could all, if that blows up, that's a clusterfuck. <laughs> So it, it depends. It truly does just depend, you know, on the people and etc. Macho Man keeping Miss Elizabeth away from anyone and everything. She ends up with Lex Luger. Said and done. You know, it's just wrestling's weird. Wrestling is weird. Stranger Mo- than fiction and more real than real life sometimes. It is. Moondog, let me throw this to you at this one. Does does a promoter ever say or mention about, you know, your personal life, kind of keep things out, keep things separate, or is it is it understood that you're all adults and as long as it doesn't interfere with storylines and your job here, then you're fine? Or how is that conversation approached? Bit of A, bit of B. Like, you know, if you can if you can keep it separated. I think uh, there's a thing that my uh, promotion I'm training at. Um, I think there is like kind of an unwritten don't date each other because there was a incident where there was an incident um, where 
wrestlers left because they broke up and they couldn't handle seeing each other every week for wrestling. So I think ever since that, at least that's that's what I think. I don't know the story for sure, but I ever since then it was kind of a oh hey guys, by the way, if don't <laughs> that's sort of deal. The old the old saying, don't shit where you eat, that's sort of deal. Right. But we're all adults, you know. And if 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 that breakup was that bad where you can't handle seeing them in the same place, I that could be an issue for sure, but I really don't know. I haven't seen it firsthand yet. I'm sure I will eventually, but as of right now, shoulder, Yano shrug. I don't, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say this. I was told by when I was, I wrote and directed an independent film and I'm going to have to get copies to everybody on the panel. I still yes. have a big box yeah. of them. Um, and it's, it's not an Oscar winner by any stretch of the imagination. It was a creation out of, out of my mind, but well, B may even be giving it way much credit than it deserves. <laughs> this is probably like a, a, a T minus if you will. Um, but the point is though, I was told by a director that when you're working with a cast, please, 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 please make sure the, the, the romantic lines are not blurred between if you have a male lead and a female lead. Um, you have to set those boundaries early on because if not, and something goes to shit, someone quits and you're halfway through production, you're basically sunk all that money, all of that time, because you can't just drop somebody else in and expect your audience. Once it goes, you know, to be viewed, to not pick up on that big, Whoa, wait, a, wait, 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 who's what? And then that kind of makes things awkward. Um, and, and it could be something that people will have put in their contracts as well, that they don't want you to do that for the simple fact that it's a, a money monetary standpoint as well. Because at the end of the day, if you have all this money wrapped into this character and then things go to shit, what's going to happen here? Mikey Whipwreck, and if I get hit with a chair by Balls Mahoney, we're in breach of contract. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Have that shit written out. And if you... Same thing in music. If you want promo, like if you pay for a feature from an artist, if you want promo for them, if you want them to plug it like you were going to, get that in the fucking contract. Otherwise, you're not guaranteed it. But if it's in the fucking contract, they have to agree to that fucking bargain. There you go. Interesting. Um, is there anything else anybody else in the chat wanted us to talk about or any other questions maybe anybody had? By all means, share them now. Or forever hold your Twitch. So someone wants to know why Liam is Mick Freeland. Yeah, let's go ahead and let's throw that to him. So you've gone by a lot of different alter egos and different names, obviously, over the weeks. It's fun. It's part of your gimmick. Uh, What's with the Mick Freeland today? Well, I just picked a random name. What's wrong with it? (laughs) I had a feeling. Oh, I love it. Nothing beyond that. No. Why, Why would there be? Okay. No, I respect you. You that. think the worst of me, like every week. What, I do why? not. I do not. Bullshit. You know, I love you with all all the, 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 the love in my heart. Um, oh, your full black heart. Yes, I know. Oh man, I'm gonna cry. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, I love. Uh, is it Damian Elliott? I can now say this is my sir? favorite why podcast. Is yeah, please Good. tell us. Is there anybody on the panel that you really, really like? So right now, fill in the chats with who you really feel like you click and associate yourself with the most. Is it Anton? Is it 
Mike unit, who obviously gives us the, the histor historical perspective from Japan and even Mexico. Is it our resident wrestler, Moondog Murray, who not only is our resident wrestler, who gives us the insight on what's going on, but also is a historian as well? Or is it for the no-nonsense Canadian who gives it to you straight whether you like it or not? All right, so Mikey Stark says Anton and Mike Cook. I cannot disagree with you on that one. Boog says everybody, and we love you. Bullshit. <laughs> um. Yeah, by all means, keep the comments coming here. Please let us know what you like about the show. And and I've said this before, and I'm I'm begging. Please There's go ahead and hit that describe uh, button describe. or hit that follow button. Describe. Uh, <laughs> and help us get to 200. Sure. We are going to have a big major announcement again about the show that's going to be coming up in July that's going to change the face of FRM Nation as well. So... Someone said, uh, what about the Bella Twins on China? I have not oh, necessarily heard the topics of what the Bella Twins have said on China uh, outside of Anton. Anybody else hear about this? I heard so about it a while ago. This All right. A while ago, it just got brought back up. It just, let, it's them and Joan Rivers. Let, let me go ahead and let you throw it to Mike Cook first here. So, Mike, what's your, what's, what's your take on this? I mean, it's one of those things where just like the whole speaking out movement, Gotta watch what you say. People are scooping everything and uh, trying to use clickbait to get attention. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, and I, I get the time frame that was going on. China was still going through a rough patch, you know. So the Bella. So okay, let me make sure I'm understanding this correctly. Uh, the Bella twins said something regarding China. Yeah, they said she was a man. They couldn't tell if she was a man or a woman. Oh, Jesus. Holy and, crap. And Joan and Rivers, Joan Rivers was like, yeah, Joan Rivers was like, she's got a vagina and a penis. So, oh, my God. Yeah, she's and clearly Nikki, a medical doctor. And uh, Nikki Bella was laughing and because she was the one who made the joke, while Brie kind of laughed for a bit, but she stayed quiet the whole time. Wow. Because she kind of had that uncomfortable look. Right. I wonder if she was just trying to play it off because this is so ridiculous. Probably. I mean, Brie is the smarter of the two Bellas, whereas Nikki's known for being no filter. I mean, it's, it, we've seen it all the time on her TV show. Okay, since we're on the topic here and we have you here on cam, uh, do you feel like it was a good idea for John Cena to, to cut ties and say, you know what, I'm done? Or do you think he legitimately tried to get back with her? So who, who officially really said goodbye to who? I mean, it was Nikki, technically. She, was it? she, dumped, she dumped him. Okay. She because dumped. he said he didn't want to have children, correct? No, he no, he ended up wanting to consider it. Like, he proposed to her at Mania. And, uh, you know, afterwards he said, let's have kids and all that. And it's crazy. She wanted she wanted out because of how long she had to wait for it. And knowing that shit was going to happen, they should have went with the original plan of what was supposed to happen at Cena at Mania that year, because that was when Nakamura was supposed to debut. Nakamura right. was supposed to debut and beat Cena, but instead made it about Cena proposing. Yeah, that turned out great, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, I was not familiar with the Joan Rivers, the Bella Twins, oh. uh, China thing. I, I don't even literally ever remember that. Um, maybe it's just my memory, but... I. Well, what is it? What is the point of it? You know what I mean? Like, what? How does it move the needle in a positive way, even for you? 
It does um, that was Joan Rivers' whole thing. That's all she did. Yeah. She just like that was she had the stupid talk show where she would just like shit on celebrities all the time, and that's all she did. And and I'd like flip past it every now and then, and I'm just like, wow, she really, you know, she bitter. She doesn't give a shit, does she? And See you next uh, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She was a cunt. There you go. So, <laughs> I don't care. Really I, I know she's I know she's gone and everything, but my god, like she didn't contribute anything to any anything. She and, was just known for trying to find ways of being desperately relevant. Yeah, like basically. That, that bitch Rosie O'Donnell. There you go. That fat bitch Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. And we talked but, about the uh Rosie yeah. O'Donnell situation. And <laughs> MJF yeah. Basically, yeah. oh, that was beautiful. That made me smile. Yeah, I like Joan Rivers and Spaceballs. That's it. Yeah, and see, I like <laughs> I like old school Spaceballs. Robert Downey Jr., Jerry Springer, Married with the Children. I am a fan of crash, trash, fucked up TV, non filtered, you know, pretty offensive shit. You know, and again, there's ribbing and fucking with people busting balls like we all fucking do, and it's a little mean spirited sometimes. But we all know we're fucking joking, right? You know. There's... I don't bust anybody's balls. What are you talking yeah. about? Uh, <laughs> you just cradle mine. How <laughs> uh, you wish. Moondog. <laughs> Schoolboy. School yeah, get Moondog on the scene. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, so with that we being said. call him ball hugger. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> you are terrible. Um, so many things have been announced so far tonight. I just want to kind of go over them again because if you are just now joining us, um, first thing is starting in July, the Rit and I are launching a brand new show that is going to be the lead in to this show. It's going to be from 8 to 9 p.m. It's called Future Stars Now. And we have been working ridiculously hard on trying to get as many different stars that are going through the different promotions that are traveling around the country. We want to hear their stories um, about, Hey, I only got 25 bucks here and I'm, I'm trying to get something to eat too. And I'm trying to, we want to hear their stories and we want to introduce our audience to them. So future stars. Now it's going to be in the time slot before this show, eight to 9 PM Eastern standard time. Uh, keep following us. We're going to have more information regarding who's going to be appearing on that show. Also, Front Row Material, which is this show, which airs from 9 till normally about 12, 1, maybe 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, we are already booked all the way through October. We should have November and December booked probably in the next week. Um, I have some people to get back to, but people are very interested in wanting to come on and share their story as well. And we are going to be uh, the written eye, the pregame and postgame show for AAW promotion up in Chicago when they have their pay-per-views. The first one is United We Stand. We're going to continue to promote for that big show uh, that's going to be coming up. So we are excited. So with that being said, let's go ahead and let's start to the close. Uh, Mr. Mike Cook, you mentioned at the top of the show where people can find you. What's happening on your program this week where people can get your merchandise, all of that good information. Well, before I start doing that, I also wanted to point out something, too, that no one uh, pointed out on the show. I mean, they did point it out how you were a big fanboy, but I kind of <laughs> noticed when watching, you know, your interview with Lufisto, I noticed you didn't say any of the phrases, but you was, you was in a mic unit mode. 
I noticed that. I, I, I noticed that a lot. I was paying real hard attention. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, I, I see the, I see the little puns that you were coming up with with uh with uh, the Mike Thunder character, the Mike unit. And I was like, okay, I thought I thought it was pretty funny. Um yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Don't think I didn't notice that. <laughs> I liked it. Love it. Love it. But um, for those who want to reach out to me, uh, Twitter, Mike Unit, that's Mike with five eyes. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Mike World Order, um, tinyurl.com slash MWO merch for, you know, merchandise. For custom outfits, we are doing pre-orders because of our vendors, customized girl for leggings, sweaters, thongs, pasties, um, Tank tops, booty shorts. We are taking pre-orders. We are doing bundles for those who are interested. Um, tomorrow night, we will be having the guests, you know, the Queen of Sweets, Master Chibs on Mike World Order at 8 p.m. And um, that's pretty much about it. I'm going to put an ice pack on my leg and my knee because I'm dying over here. <laughs> Well, I hope you are okay, and we appreciate you sticking with us during a very, very long episode and the fact that we wish you all the very best. Okay, buddy? Appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and let's throw it to Anton. Anton, where can people get a hold of you? Where can people find you? And if they have video audio production work, how can they reach out to you? They can hit me up on Twitter at Anton Heidnick. Or at Instagram at I feel rotten, Phil being P H I L, like Phil as in Philip. Um, also, both of those at Gmail. And hopefully, within the next 60 days, I have this fucking website corrected to where you can go to that as well and contact me for work there. And as well as a resume, like prior works, music, video, etc., post links and such for people to see. So. I highly recommend if you have stuff like that done, go to the people who know what they're doing, the experts, give them an idea. They can go ahead, meaning Anton, shoot you a quote and give you an idea of what that's going to run. But you know the product is going to be fantastic. Um, with that being said, let's throw it over to Moondog Murray. Moondog, where can people find you? Where can people follow you um, as far as Twitch is concerned as well? What's the next big upcoming match that you're going to be in? Give everybody the details. I think your microphone muted. is muted. I'm good. There we go. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Moondog Murray, Instagram, Moondog Greg Murray. And uh, I'm actually about to, I'm going to start streaming as soon as this comes off. So if you want to head over to twitch.tv slash network, going to be streaming some Wrestling Empire, which is a batshit crazy video wrestling game. Hey, hey, but, how can I rage you? How can I rage you? I, I actually looked this up. <laughs> I looked this up this time. Oh so I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to type it right now. And yeah, when slash, we're done. Slash raid. So forward slash, and then do I do a space or just the word yes. raid? Space. Space raid. Shellshock network. Whoa, whoa, back up, back up, back up. <laughs> so there's a, there's a forward slash, and then I hit a space, uh, right? Space. Yes. And raid? Raid. R-A-I-D. Okay, do I hit another space? Oh, hold on. Oh, actually, go, but it's it's slash raid. <laughs> there's no space in between slash and oh raid. Oh, my God. R -A okay, so I got a forward slash, R-A-I-D. Perfect. What's next? Space. Space, got it. Shellshock Network. 
Jesus, can it be small? S H E L L S H O C K N E T W O R K. Got it. All one word. And all then one word. You hit enter. And that's all I have to do. Yes. And then so it's already typed in. I'm not going to touch anything. When we when we say goodbye, I'm oh. literally going to hit it. Hold hit on, it now. Because like because it loads up and then feeling. once you're done, it'll send it'll send everybody over to my channel. Well, let me let me let Liam say his goodbye as well, real okay. quick. Uh, Liam, what uh, do you have to what do you want to say? No, yeah, plug, plug yourself. How people can get a hold of you, you know, conversations, I don't know, shoe size, whatever. Uh, okay, that's weird. Um, I'm actually going to be on the Cult of Beardo this week. Cult of uh, Beardo this week. Nice. Yeah, I got the call. They needed the uh, big guns to show up. So (laughs) I'm going to be there on Thursday night. Very good. With uh, Rhett and Renegade. So uh, look for me there uh, from 8 to 10. Nice. And uh, Twitter, Savage Liam. Um, Instagram, Savage Liam 1978. And like I was saying last week on YouTube, but I figured out the uh, the name. It's ECW Fan One Two Three. I think that's what it is. Pretty sure. Don't quote me on it. But anyways, look me up. Look up Liam Savage on there. I've got a decent channel. There's there's actually a couple of things on there that people on here might be interested in. There's um, two ECW Cyber Slam Q and A sessions that are on there. I uploaded the entire thing. Oh wow! Uh, two of them. Nice. Yeah. So, and those are hard to find. So, uh, hopefully, people can watch that and be interested in that. And I'll upload another one soon. And there you go. And, and everything is coming back online when it comes to Canada. Everything's looking good. What are you talking about? You guys are supposed to be opening back up, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I can get my hair cut tomorrow. So, that's something. What about uh, the, the border or no? I don't know. Who, who the fuck knows? Uh, I think it's probably another month for the border. Uh, from what I understand, and uh, we still have to wear masks everywhere. And uh, yeah, that's yeah, we're we're like in the Stone Age here, basically. So yeah, we got rid of the the, the mask mandate pretty much nationally in yeah. early May, no, early June, I think. Yeah, not even close here. We're getting in Ontario. We're getting about less than three hundred cases a day. So. I don't see why we can't get rid of all this stuff, but whatever. Right. Not my choice. Well, guys, I want to thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Front Row Material Live. Um, the Ritster had to uh, had to bail out. He's got an early morning. He's actually got to be up for work at 3 a.m. Eastern Standard. And it is midnight Eastern Standard, uh, just about here on the East Coast. But for Mike Cook, for um, the enter. Rit himself, for Moondog Murray, for Anton, and for our Canadian friend across the border, Mr. Leem. Uh, we want to thank Freeland. you for joining us. Yes, Mick Freeland. Um, right. And please thank you for uh, Lufisto for coming on the show. She was amazing. If you missed the interview, please go ahead and check it out. It is going to be on demand as soon as the show goes off the air. You can definitely check that out. Our interview with Sean Waltman, which the video version uh, – should be coming up soon. The audio version will be coming up as well. I've had some issues with uh, with Spectrum and uh, internet access and all that jazz. We're going to try to get that squared away. So for all of us here at Front Row Material, do I hit the button now? Yes. Alright guys, that's going to do it and we will catch you next week. Rating now. Nope.
Nope, it's coming now. up. Oh it, oh, it is coming up. Holy shit. Everyone in the chat thought you were going to fuck this up, Freeland. Hey, listen. <laughs> I'm serious. It says we're doomed. This isn't working. Uh, hold, hold it, Moondog. This up. <laughs> <laughs> Moondog, did it work? Yes, it worked. All right, perfect. Yay. Guys. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to the closing sounder. And I'm going to get myself to B-E-D, bed, bed, bed. What about our opening? Oh shit. <laughs> I always forget about that. We'll do that next Maybe. week. Yeah. See you next week, guys. <laughs>